Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of Summon Sign, Last Stand Media's weekly in-depth gaming discussion podcast. I am your host, as always, Brad Ellis, and joining me this week is Dustin Furman, executive producer of Last Stand Media. Yo, I'm happy to be back. And it I know I was on episode one, but this feels kind of like the first time because this is the first normal episode I've been yeah. on. Last one was a pilot. Not to, I mean, I guess the audio listeners don't yet. I'm happy to be on here with Maddie. It's a little ham radio reunion. I know, I know. I love it. Feels good. There were some people writing in about it recently saying like, Maddie and Dustin don't podcast nearly as much as they said they would after ham radio shut down. I'm like, it's so true. Like, we had a good thing going. Wait, but what here we are. Radio? What is that? Ham radio? Yeah. Oh, that's uh. so on my Mr. Maddie channel, I ran a podcast for since 2015 till I, I forgot when exactly we shut it down, Dustin, but it just went through like originally started with some of my close friends online uh, and then Carrick joined of ACG and then Dustin joined. I think that was like our best era. Like we did oh. really well and it was a really good show. And then with Last Stand building up, we kind of had this discussion of like, all right, we kind of I, I tried to do a live version of it to see if that would be easier to produce. It was not. And so it eventually shut down there. But with Last Stand kind of building up and more shows here, you know, I talked to Colin. I was like, all right, we're going to put all the podcast efforts here and not split it up. So here we are. Oh, yeah. OK. Nice. Little, little Maddie lore for everybody. Yeah, I didn't know about that. <laughs> and of uh, course, Maddie is the all know host of Finding Duke. He's got his own YouTube channels. Mr. Maddie plays all the retro rebound, all that good stuff. Sure. One of the yes, hardest sir, working men. I'm looking at white today. My, uh, my light. Oh, you know, I figured I would, I would treat the audience, right? I spent so long in dimly lit rooms that now I am brightly lit thanks to the window yeah. in front of me. So it's I would the argue angelic people. looking to some Thank degree. You. And it, it's great. Yeah. I feel yeah. like I'm in the presence of something holy. Yeah, I, I really like how it's come out. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm going to be washed out for the next hour or so until the sun goes down. <laughs> Damn, dude. Uh, how's the weather for you guys? It's raining like crazy where I am. Is it mm, nice? Beautiful, beautiful. It's uh, it was like, what's the temperature today? I don't know, but it, I, I just went on a walk. It was really nice, nice out. But I love a good rain. It's uh, it's forty three here in Western oh, PA. Shit. Actually, little sunshine, which is crazy because we get next to no sunshine uh, pretty much ever here in Western PA. Damn. But it's a weird mode. I don't know if it's like this for you, Maddie. But I took Frisk on a walk yesterday. And I had a flannel and like a windbreaker on mm. uh, my bomber jacket. And so when I was in the sun, I was like, oh, man, I'm kind of hot. I, I overdressed. And then when I would walk in the shade of like a house, it's like, man, yep. I underdressed. I'm freezing. I had the same thing as I was yeah. wearing this hoodie. And there was just moments the wind would pick. I'm like, I should have wore a coat. And then it would stop and it was just the sun on me. I was like, I'm really hot right now. I might have to take this hoodie yeah. off. I was just going back and forth <laughs> between that. Yeah. Uh, before we get in the show, please check us out on patreon.com slash media. Five dollars a month gets you early access and ad-free versions of this show as well as our other podcasts. If you enjoy the show, please leave a nice review. We greatly appreciate it. It helps us out. Alrighty, boys. This week starting hot. Already, of course, just rumors though for now. Nothing official. But Maddie, our our Xbox expert. How you feeling today, man? <laughs> how's how you uh, feeling i'm feeling good yeah i'm feeling good because like it's it's been interesting to see the discourse online right now as, as we record this at least we're, we're seeing reports that xbox is looking to bring indiana jones starfield gears of war i imagine if those are on the list and every other xbox ip is on that list too over to you know playstation and switch so it's 
it's been interesting to just see the conversation online. We're kind of living through like a historic moment in gaming, like a very Sega kind of moment, which you know, I was too young to process mm-hmm. at the time. Um, I had no idea it even happened. I was just an owner of a Dreamcast because of my brother, and 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 I had no idea you know when the pivot happened or how it was received, but or how it was even announced. But uh, to see the reports and as we discussed, Brad, when you were on DD, like the silence from the Xbox team was already peculiar, and it's only heated up since then. And so, uh, yeah, it's definitely been interesting to see. Uh, the fanboy reaction, the the in the middle reaction, the reporter reaction, and and everything in between. It's um, definitely been a lot to process, just because like, you you want to like I'm still yet to make my videos or podcasts on it and kind of report on it properly. But there's just so much to go over from like the business reasoning, which you understand, to like the 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 attachment people have to these systems, whether it be financially or emotionally, <laughs> and the commitment that were made and how they were perceived uh, and how certain lip service was delivered that I think is going to serve to bite them in the ass for years to come if they go this direction. Um, and then, of course, factoring it all in is is good communication that's required to make this pivot, which Xbox has been notoriously horrible at. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be naturally one of those stories that just develops month after month as we learn more about it. But um, definitely... You know, there there hasn't been a boring week for Defining Duke in, in months, which has been great. So uh, I don't know if we're going to have to rename the show at some point. We'll figure that out when we get there. Um, yeah, it's, it's been good, man. It's been good. Dustin, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, well, I was thinking about it yesterday when, I mean, we've this has been rumbling for a while, right? And I, I posted a little bit of a cheeky tweet today with a thumbnail that I made two months ago, which I mean, Colin named the episode. So it's kind of like it was a whole sacred symbols thing, but it was the Sega moment. And I put Jim Ryan shaking hands with Phil Spencer. I was like, man, this <laughs> thumbnail is hitting different today. Oh, hitting yeah. Different. Evergreen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was thinking about it because I sometimes what I do, because I, you know, we are in our our little hardcore gaming space bubble that I'll just sit and I'll explain what's going on to Holly and see what she thinks about it from a total, not a total outsider. Cause she gets a lot through osmosis with me, but just explaining, I'm like, this is, I feel like you could write down like February 4th in like, if there was a gaming history book, this is the day yeah. like that potential i mean we don't know really again this is unconfirmed which it's been fun too maddie seeing the response from our audience i was having a conversation with some people in our discord that i was like i know you guys want to hear from us as soon as possible and i really like i in my mind i'm like really appreciate that it means a lot that people are like what do these guys think at the same time letting like one or two business days happen there's so so much that's gonna happen i mean maybe not there's either nothing is gonna happen and we'll just be left to speculate or we could receive some kind of official word on some yeah. of this stuff. And we don't, you don't want to like put something out there that is immediately out of date. So mm-hmm. like all day, I'm wondering, like there was initially a report that Phil Spencer was going to be on CNBC. Apparently yeah. that's not happening. So it's like, are they going to say anything today? Are they just going to keep quiet? I feel like it's, uh, you know, it's in the, we're in the midst. Everyone's like watching Twitter, seeing what's going to happen. It's uh it's exciting, uh, but I, I don't know. It's just wild times. I feel like since since the uh, the Bethesda deal, we're living in like gaming alter alternate reality, yeah. and it's none of I'm that has changed. Favorite. And this is kind of like the biggest. It, it's crazier. It keeps getting bigger. It's like first Bethesda, then Activision, and now now this news. It's like what everything we know is uh, is changing. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's really insane. I do remember Sega going away, Maddie, because I'm quite a bit older than you guys, but it was kind of wild, you know, because I had a Genesis when it came out and I love Sonic and all that stuff, but I don't know, man. Sega's still around, so hopefully Xbox will... I don't want Xbox to go away, obviously, because they have so many great games, but I don't know, man. I think the rumors... There's been rumors about them making, like, a Steam box kind of thing, I guess, where other partners can make Xboxes. I don't know. If that's the way they go, if people still have an option, it's cool, but it still sucks. And I totally it's gonna be a very it. unappealing option. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. Yeah. Brad, Holly brought up an interesting point. This is why I like asking her. She said, Well, if Xbox is out of hardware, then who is PlayStation's main competitor? Is it mm-hmm. Steam? Is it, will it... Be. And I thought In Nintendo. Because she's like, has Steam ever tried to make a console? I was like, Well, they did. Mm-hmm. But it sucked and it wasn't ready yet. It was like everything had to be on Linux. People didn't want to uh, developers mm-hmm. didn't want to port their games. I said, but I wonder if they could try it now and it would be different because they have the infrastructure of Steam Deck. Oh, behind yeah. Them. I absolutely think they could do another shot. Yeah. With Steam Deck, it was like Steam, Steam Deck is a success, you know, and they're just right. I feel like they're just going to keep building on that and make it easier and easier because people already hooked their Steam Deck up to their TV and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I don't see why not. They wouldn't do that, but we'll see if anyone else gets involved in the space too down the line. But I don't know. Apple. Apple? Dude, we said that at the same time. I heard you yeah. saying Apple as I said it. Same brains. Apple. Dude, an Apple console as someone who loves Apple stuff sounds uh, horrifying. And yeah. I, hate, I hate it. I <laughs> absolutely be hate the idea. A new console every year. It's going to be $2,000 from them. It's yeah. going to be insane. Uh, dudes, I got some warm up questions that I wanted to get us uh, going with. I saw some of these. and I was like, OK, I have to read this out loud. Uh, this is from Sly- or Seth Slykus. Brad, Maddie, I feel like we need your takes on Colin's Winnie the Pooh sleeping style. How do you feel <laughs> working for such a deeply disturbed man? Now, Dustin, I'll ask you since you're on uh, Sacred Symbols with Colin. Sure. I know this is from there. Is it? It's literally called sleeping in a shirt, and that's it. No underwear, it. no nothing. That's it. That's yeah. yeah. That's fucking unhinged, man. <laughs> his his <laughs> argument for it, which he made on Sacred, was that the uh, the shirt keeps you snug, and the lack of anything under keeps you free. And I, so I brought up the argument. I'm like, so you want to be snug up top, but the, you want to keep the boys free. Yeah. So. And then, I mean, there's this whole argument about, like, is he practically shitting the bed? You know, if he's ripping <laughs> ass in the bed, is the particles getting in the bed? Like, is he is his bed oh, just a Jesus. pink eye magnet? So, I mean, sorry, to, we're, we're tainting sacred or uh, summon sign with sacred That's symbols right. debauchery. It's going to happen. It had to happen. I feel like sacred symbols debauchery just bleeds into everything else. It's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. Well, but, and dude, yeah. the shorts are great at highlighting that. I heard about Maddie. Talking about boning up in Japan. And, yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. I like this. I like yeah, this. Just up in Japan. All about <laughs> uh, yeah, Kyle, uh, Colin's a, uh, a psychopath. I don't understand. Like, if you want the snug, just wear something loose down below. Like, you don't got to yeah. wear fucking tight jammies or whatever, dude. Get some loose ones. And, like, no boxers or something, dude. It's like, who the fuck does? Can you imagine going to a sleepover when you're a kid? And there's one of your friends does that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like, does, he sh- does he shower before he gets in bed? Is that like a thing or 
He showers after he works out in the evening. So okay. he's still got some stink on him getting into. He's still got some stink. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I respect the nude sleep on like some nights if you really feel you need it. Like some nights your body's just hot or whatever. I don't know. I don't do it. It just feels off. Right. Yeah. But dragging your fluids around and whatnot, <laughs> leaking all over the bed. I just, <laughs> I, I, you know, I get the mindset on a nightly habit though. Those bed sheets better be in the washing machine like once a week at least. That's all I'm saying, bro. Because he, he can... Colin, Colin is a good smelling clean dude like we've been mm-hmm. with him like we know he's not nasty but like everyone just you know like you rip some ass you pee like you just don't know what's on you man and you're dragging that into the most sacred place in the house the bed where it's supposed yeah. to be clean get your rest I mean but, I get the nude sleep I totally understand that every now and then you sure. know? like you said it's hot but the shirt is an unnecessary accessory I don't understand it it's fucking weird yeah, you should just go all the way <laughs> yeah I, I don't. Yeah, it's so weird. Colin's a Colin's a maniac. I think it's just that's just the way yeah. it is. Yeah, I think just Dustin's, also just like a mental image we we didn't need. Yeah, I don't come up. Dustin, like, Anytime it just I happen? see Winnie the Pooh, I'm going to think of Colin. And that sucks. I don't want that. <laughs> I'm unfazed by the, the image just because I've been in Colin's shower with him uh, a few years ago. And sure. When we rebranded the company, that intro video. So, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, anything. There's there's nothing that phases me with with Colin Moriarty at this yeah, point. Yeah, you've, you've become numb to it, it's and I'm fun. numb to it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Maxi Lopez wrote in. Hi, Brad and Co. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing with Someone Sign. My question is hopefully a rather simple one. When can we expect guests outside of Ellison to join? I ask this not in a bashing way. I just hope not everyone has to cut off or has cut you off from joining the goat of all gaming podcasts. Well, uh, good question. I reached out to some people trying to work with some dates and everything, but we shall see. Maybe I got cut off from some of them. I have no idea, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's you find thing. out over time is yeah, what you I find out like, over time. Just, but as you reach out more and more, you just find out certain people don't want to speak to you anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely want to get guests on here. I want to get Hoag Law on here and sometime yes, some other people. But yes, the guests I would like, I really wanted to get everyone from LSM on first before I brought in guests. And some weeks, the roster with what games are out, sometimes a specific roster makes more sense to me. Like this week, for example, it's all of us. It's like totally our bread and butter right now. So I had to invite these boys on. Omnitron wrote in, hello, summon dudes. Will Nintendo ever make another 3D Donkey Kong game? God, I hope. Yes. I think they're working on it right now. Dude, they got the theme park. They got the theme park. Yeah. It's being built as we speak. Yeah. And uh, Nintendo's all about that synergy. So honestly, Switch 2 launch title, I would say possibly. But I'm thinking in development. Whoa, launch title? You think over Mario? What if it has Mario and Donkey Kong in it? But it's not Mario and Donkey Kong like that remake coming out, but yeah mm. yeah that yeah i'd be into that i love donkey kong i miss that uh that gorilla i need him back in a 3d i need yeah. a good 3d donkey kong game donkey kong 64 we, is not it 
Oh, it's you don't it. like it? See, that's the only Donkey Kong game I enjoy. Like, I don't like 2D Man, Donkey Kong. Maybe it's because I was introduced to sixty, like Donkey Kong with sixty four. But like, when I tried that, and then all I found out was everything beyond that's two D. I'm like, what the fuck is this? What are you guys doing? Like, go make another one of these with the Odyssey team. <laughs> Come oh, on now. No. Well, that was made by Rare. Maddie, I would love for you to revisit Donkey Kong sixty four with your yeah, it's been more cred and knowledge nowadays, and see what you think of it. I bought it and I had fun with it, but I cannot say it it's great or i want to revisit it have you played tropical freeze maddie yeah like that was that was one of my breaking points where i was like this sucks like i don't like this (laughs) oh you just heard brad real bad what maddie tropical freeze is like one of the best platformers of all time it made me rage brad i had a skill issue i'm not gonna lie to you i had a skill issue i was just not having a tough game dude it's a tough game i was like this is not what i signed up for i thought about me like leaping around i was like cranky kong in 64 and i was like that was um, way better. Why? Why am I? Why am I getting mad at this game? I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, Brad, I remember. I'm, not, I'm definitely not a Donkey Kong connoisseur. That's for sure. <laughs> I remember renting Donkey Kong 64 for the Nintendo yep. 64. Yeah. I feel like I will never forget first hearing the DK rap. Like it's a core memory. Oh yeah, of course. Now I was like, what are they doing? Like, how is this even even possible? And when they do the DK rap in the Mario movie. You know, mm-hmm. they did that for the the boomers, the millennials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they got me. I mean, they, they really got me in that home. Oh, dude, like, it's a great it's song. Good. It's yeah. a great song. Don't get me wrong. There's parts of Donkey Kong I do or six four I do like. But just playing it, playing as like five Kongs, Lanky Kong, who the who gives a fuck about Lanky Kong? <laughs> Chunky Kong. There's like another Dixie Kong. I think it's a different Kong name, though. Who cares? Enough. See, Tropical Freeze Man did it right. Donkey okay. Kong, Diddy Kong, Cranky Kong, Dixie Kong. That's all you need. So you the Kong need roster Kong. is what matters most. No, but it is an important factor. Okay. Mm. I'm it still is a factor. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Nintendo, bring Donkey Kong back, all right, dude? And Meatball wrote in, what's up, you dripping wet sussies? Oh. Warm-up question. <laughs> goodness <laughs> yeah goodness i think that is the most perverted thing we've gotten so far keep them coming you put out a challenge number i know i say coming keep them coming i'm looking to create a video game music playlist for working out what games or series have some bangers that are must ads people are working out hold they on i got jams. a spotify playlist they want some jams oh matt dude maddie set because maddie i know you and cog both are you specifically listen to game music when you work out. Yes, sir. Yes, Nothing sir. else hits right. Like, oh, you know, I've tried everything, but like when I just decided to let go of my ego and I'm like, you know what? I'm not weird for this. Yeah. Oh, man. Final Fantasy has some real bangers for sure. Of like all of their battle music and whatnot. If you really want to get jazzy, I because I feel like when you go to work out, like it's about the flow and the good vibes, right? Mm-hmm. So you just got to be feeling good. Whatever gets you feeling good. Like there have been some days I listen to like jazz working out, but like mm-hmm. that's, that's me being weird. Like, but like persona music, like sure. Like heartbeat, heartbreak may not be your best lifter jam, but like it kind of works for me. I'm like, yeah, this gets me feeling good. And then I tackle the set. Uh, yeah. Anime, you know, of course, Jujutsu oh. Kaisen. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good, good intros. Hmm. Uh, yeah, mm. I always think of Doom and stuff. If you want to get nuts, I guess they get really oh, yeah. fired up. Doom's always good. Final Fantasy is good, too. Like Maddie said, all the battle music's great. Uh, Dustin, what about you? Yeah. Do you have any you think of? Doom is pretty wild. That has like 
listen to doom workout and then go home and like beat your wife energy and, and i kind of <laughs> respect it you know listen to the doom soundtrack on the treadmill yeah. uh so when i work out i primarily watch youtube videos so i'm not listening to anything but sure maddie you, you bring up persona and i'm just thinking like dude if you put on like the one hour like loop of uh rivers in the desert from persona 5 oh. I mean, yeah. I think you could probably never stop running with that song on, period. 100%. Like, you would just be totally set forever for that. So, yeah. The the anime one's a little interesting, Maddie. Uh, like, I'm, I'm thinking about if I, like, had a One Piece playlist running. Like, I don't, I don't I'm curious about I had, that. Um, I had the One Piece intros actually on my on my playlist at one point. Yeah, like, because they, they, I, I think it's just, like, the connection to something I know and how, like, exciting it is to me. And just once I feel that, then I'm like, okay, I'm good to yeah. do what I need to here. I don't want this podcast to get heavy right off the bat, but I, I don't know. Maybe, Brad, <laughs> you and I can tag team this. Whoa, Maddie, right. Whoa. I need to ask you a very <laughs> serious question. Right, Have you fallen it. off One Piece? Oh, man. No, not, not, f- yes. Yes and no. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so it, like the yes is not a uh, okay. You got to hear me out, Dustin. Like right, when I say yes, I mean like not out of disinterest. It's just that like you know what the the if you will the mistake I made was like me and Laylee kind of made it our together show. Oh, it's, it's like a thousand episodes. When you make the the couple show, you know like those are hard to burn through. You got to mm-hmm, schedule yeah. the time out, lock it out, and you know you can't be like what I typically do with anime. Like I've burned through like free run, which is amazing by the way. Um, like I'll go to the gym and I'll, what, what I do now at the gym is I'll go on like the elliptical or whatever. And I will just watch anime. I'll watch like three episodes and then just go home. Um, uh, so I don't like have to make sit down time for really my anime. Uh, and that would be great for one piece. Cause like I caught up on my hero that way. I caught up on JJK that way, finished free run that way. But one piece I can't do because it's like I, me and Laylee have decided to, to make this art together show. Cause she loves it. It's like her favorite show. She loves it so much that she got to like episode 450 and started over with me. And now we're on episode like 140 something. We're still a ways to go. So past Alabasta, but you know, not, uh, not nearly into the thick of it. Truly. Maddie, you and I have a similar situation with one piece. Cause it's also, it's Holly and I show okay. where she had watched up to the end of Skypia on her own years ago mm. and then restarted with, with me about a year and a half ago, maybe almost two years now. Yeah. Uh, so we've been we've been burning through it for a long time <laughs> and yeah, we still have a you're, long you're way to go pretty deep. you're pretty deep in at least compared to me yeah. yeah well you're so you're on alabaster right now yeah or oh, i've, man, I've just like... finished it up and there was like a couple of filler episodes like we're skipping filler i know there's no quick way around one piece but like we're just trying to you know we're trying to economize the time as best as we can i think skipping f- filler is totally legal uh no yeah, problem with fair. it one yeah. pace though Dude, anytime you bring up One Piece, there's some there's some guy on Twitter. It's like, have you checked out One Piece? It's way faster. <laughs> Check out One Pace. I'm like, dude. Yeah, to me, it's like with trails. Like, I don't want to rush it. There's no need to rush it. It's just because there's no quick way through a thousand plus episodes. You're still watching hundreds. Yeah. So watch the thousand. Yeah. yeah. That's the problem with One Piece. Everyone just looks at the finish line and not yeah. the journey along the way. It's the way you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Can't mm-hmm. think about just being like, oh, I got 800 left. Oh, it's going to take me so long to catch up. Just fucking watch it go with the flow that's why i'm proud of dustin dustin is sticking with it it's been a little rough the past few weeks not gonna lie it's okay you've still been doing it's not my fault though i know it's the couple (laughs) show it's my wife's fault for your couple show you're doing very well yeah 
Like my girlfriend doesn't give a fuck about One Piece, so I did all that by myself. But I did it over like 15 years. So now, it's been a while. Maddie, with it being your couple's show, something this is shows the depravity of Holly and I is that we'll watch One Piece and then, you know, we're getting ready for bed, you know, laying in bed and we'll just talk shop about One Piece, sometimes <laughs> up to like 45 minutes. Damn. Laying sick. in bed. We're just like, what about this character? Is this foreshadowing? Do you remember mm. this guy? What if this is going to happen next? You That's know? awesome. That's actually what we were just doing. Uh, Laylee and I just watched all of the season one of the boys this past weekend. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, it was my first time checking it out. And uh, it's so good. So good. And apparently the next two seasons are great. But yeah, we like sat there for an hour after we finished the first season, just talking about, you know, where it could go. Because we, yeah, we were going to start like season two right after. We were like, let's just, you know, we like, let's just do this every weekend. Like there are yeah. eight episodes a season. We'll just burn through it Saturday, Sunday. And just make a thing out of it. Just um, marinate. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. Also, like that's the thing. I kind of want to like process it and everything just before I, I leap into the next thing so quickly. But fantastic, fantastic, cool. Yeah, I can't wait for the day Dustin's caught up with me. Then we can find. I can finally be unfiltered with Dustin and talk about anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll, be, it'll nice. be a while, but we're getting it'll there. Be a while. We're getting there because then you gotta read the manga to get all the way caught up with me. <sighs> But I know it goes way faster. Yeah, way faster. Oh, yeah. You can get through an arc in like a few sittings, depending on how oh, long yeah. you read. Yeah, yeah. Especially, yeah, because like with One Piece, I, I remember that when we were like really grinding it out, like you can skip the intro and then the mm-hmm. recap and it's really like 15 minutes of new content. And so you mm-hmm. can just yeah. catch up really quick that way. Yeah, yeah. All right, boys. Enough of the weeb nonsense. Let's talk about some more weeb nonsense. Just kidding. Persona yeah. 3 Reload is here. We all love Persona here. We're all big fans. Persona 3, excellent video game. The one that kind of put the series on the map, I'd say, for most people, me included. Uh, I have played about half of FES, and I played all of P3 Portable. Where do you, what's your guys' history of Persona 3? If there's any. Maddie, go for it. Um, for me, I played Portable first um portable was was uh the jumping in point for me when i was waiting for five so i played four in high school uh replayed four before five was coming out and then i had two weeks and i was like all right let me try out persona three because the first time i tried it after four i didn't really like it because tartarus ass yep (laughs) and so uh i tried it again and got through it it took me about 40 hours and i ended up really liking it um Mm -hmm. i didn't like tartars but i ended up really liking the story especially the ending um and its characters like i i just especially um and then recently i i went through actually made a video on retro rebound about it i played through um persona 3 fest for the first time just testing out and seeing what the answer was because i already knew what the the base game is so i didn't really have to run Mm -hmm. through that but seeing what the answer is um through a shared save file and that was to me really like eye-opening because this is like the big controversial part of persona like this kind of dungeon crawly it adds meaningful story in some points but controversial parts and others like changes with yukari's character and whatnot um but also this this follow-up to what was a pretty jaw-dropping conclusion i feel um and so that's very recent history but um yeah man it's 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 a entry that i feel has needed what i call the grand unifier like take these elements from fess and portable and the base game and mm-hmm. put them all into one like in a remake and they 
they kind of do that kind of. Mode, <laughs> but um there's there's much that was left on the table that i'm sure we'll get into so yeah i i, I love persona 3 especially after the, the remake here there's um a new surge of love for me where i'm like yeah this this feels like if the game was done properly from top to bottom what it would be like and so it's it's much higher on my list now i don't know if it eclipses persona 5 royal for me or four golden but probably base mm-hmm. persona 5 for sure um but we can talk about that more later really like yeah. persona 3 yeah. dusted yeah so me getting into persona is weird because i am nowhere near like an og or even like persona th- starting at persona 3 fan i didn't get into it until persona 4 golden on the vita but it it feels like I was a little ahead just because Persona Five like exploded right. the series yeah. completely. But I'm yeah. no in no way like some kind of OG. But after I played Golden, I wanted to play Three. And at the time, I looked at my options where I was like, okay, there's Persona Three Portable, which uh, has you know as the female MC, which is cool if you want to do that option. Mm-hmm. And you can take control of individual party members in battle. That's pretty good. Yep. But I didn't like that. It didn't feel like I was going to get the authentic experience because of the visual novel style cutscenes, stuff like that. Yeah. So then I looked to playing um, Fez instead, which I had bought on my PlayStation 3. And I played through some of it and was so annoyed by not being able to control my party members. <laughs> and I was annoyed. Tough. This was well after PS4 was out. And so like booting up my PS3 and having it hooked up to play this game, I was so annoyed by it. And I eventually just fell off of it. And I was like, eh, I'm eventually they're going to put this together in a way that it will make sense for me to play it. And uh, years and years and years went by. And now finally we have this version. Uh, so this is, I'm already, I think, well, maybe not past the point where I played before, but I'm already feel like I'm getting new stuff. So it mm-hmm. feels like mostly a fresh experience for me playing this game and uh it's been really really awesome just as a huge fan of four and five of course yeah i've probably played the least out of all this i think i've played like four or five hours i think of this game but it has been really fun revisiting it because i haven't played through persona 3 in a pretty long time so i forget a lot of it like when i see characters i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah. i kind of remember some of you and like the social link characters i remember that but like the main story, I don't remember how we get to the point where, Maddie, we know where it goes. So mm-hmm. it's been really fun revisiting it and just seeing a lot of these spaces, like <laughs> just being able to rotate the camera in yeah. some of the environments. I'm yeah. like, whoa, I can like see everything <laughs> now. This is awesome. But um, I'm curious about Tartarus because Tartarus so far is still boring as fuck. I haven't like gotten super far. It's better than it was before, though. I will say that 100%. I think it, well, part of me likes that it's very similar to the original. It's just like very basic floors. There's nothing like special to them. There's no like interesting navigation, I would say whatsoever. You know, you just flat and there's like maybe a chest there. And that's OK. It's fine. That's like what the original was like. But I do think games like P5 kind of like really hurt that experience for me now where I go back to these games. I'm like, oh, it's so basic i think of p5 and like all the verticality going on and like dashing around the environment so i miss a lot of that but i still think it works fairly well here i'm just curious to see like especially dustin what you think about tartarus and going through it like does it 
change up more as you progress further. Like I remember in the original, like TARDIS was boring the entire way throughout and just very a pain to go through, honestly. How does does it get better as you go along, would you say, at least from the layout? Hmm. That's probably a better question for Maddie, because I'm only on the I just got to the second section. Okay. So Yeah, Maddie, you've played a lot of this, right? Or yeah. you finished it. Uh, I have not finished it yet, okay. but I have a I have a good a good amount of time in, like forty plus, fifty plus hours. Okay, something yeah, like that. you're deep then. Um yeah, I don't want to like ruin too much for anyone listening, but I what I will say is is at first I think Tartarus is pretty boring. Um, okay. I, oh, I should also disclose one thing. I did do a sponsor video for Sega, um, just talking about Persona Three. They reached out and they were like, "Hey, you know, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the game?" And I said, "As long as I can say what I like and dislike, I'm cool with it." And they said yes. So, um, just so people are are I'm transparent with people knowing that you know, while they didn't directly reach out as an agency, still like you know there was a sponsor video. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So. I don't want to spoil too much, but like Tartarus at first is really boring because it just kind of gives you like the, the base core formula that was in three fests and three portable. And you're like, all right, just kind of simple dungeon crawling. Like that first block or so is a slog, uh, but they made massive improvements to Fuka. She is really good. Like when you look oh. at Rise and, and you look at Futaba and their abilities and then what Fuka can do, she's awesome now, which is really great. Um, there's this new Showtime like mechanic. There are like new kind of hidden dungeons, if you will, that you can discover. Um, what else is there? The new shifting mechanic, which is, you know, baton passing, I think really lifts the combat up. Oh, you know, there are many borrowed mechanics yeah. from Persona 5 that come in here, but I think Persona 5 is one of the best feeling turn based games you can play. So mm-hmm. I don't view that as a bad thing. Maybe it's not as exciting and new, but like baton passing, I think, should just be in every Persona game. Like it's just it's yeah. so well done. Um, and so much more, you know, they, they've added new events because like you can't play is like the, the, the FEMC. So like they, they have to do these dedicated events. Like for example, as, as your exams are approaching, you get time to sit down and study with the group. And they're like these new fully voiced kind of visual novel sections that are really funny. Um, so they, they just inject, like, it's a lot of small changes. Shuffle time is totally different. Like you get these arcana bursts. If you pick these major arcana cards and you'll get like, the longer you spend time in Tartarus, the more XP you get. So it kind of gamifies it like, okay, you want to grind, you want to fight. So um, it's not like the one size fits all fix. I think Uh, like to me, that fix would have been like, okay, you have these many blocks in Tartarus, make each one kind of like a palace in persona five. And I think you're going to just redesign them and you, you'll win a lot of people over, but um, they didn't do that. They stuck to their guns, which I respect um, even if it's not my favorite choice, but I think they add enough meaningful gameplay elements throughout that. Tartarus isn't that bad. I will say uh, 200 plus floors, you know, so it, yeah, it, yeah, it can, for those who don't know, yeah, it, it's like, it's at long. first you're like, oh, this isn't that bad. And then as the mechanics settle in, I think it's definitely palatable. It's much better than it's ever been, mm-hmm. but it still is by the end, you know, especially if you're overpowered, you, you probably are going to, I can imagine you probably going to just want to be done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, you know, I definitely like it a lot more. Um, but it's it's not the the pure fix I was hoping for. But I mean, the, the mechanics are fantastic. And so I enjoy my time in there. I definitely don't dread going in there. I don't drag my heels going in there. I don't avoid going in there. Um, you know, I don't roll my eyes in there. I do wish they did a little bit more exploration wise. There are cool random things you'll find. Um, the other thing that's kind of different now, last thing I'll say is just uh, when I was playing like three fast or three portable, 
there were times like you'd spawn and the stairs would be near you, which is great a lot of times because there's 200 plus fours. Like you just want to go sometimes. This game will like typically spawn you at one. Like I don't remember. There's not been a single time where I've spawned on one side of the, the floor and the stair sets near me. It's always on mm-hmm. an opposite end. And so you have to run through a lot of shit to get there. So Tartarus can feel a bit longer because of that, too. So, yeah, it's like I don't hate it. Um, I can't say, oh, I love Tartarus, but it's it's I'd say I rank it as pretty good now. I rank yeah. it as pretty good. <clears throat> That's really good to hear. I think everything you said sounds good. I I totally forgot about Baton Pass or whatever being new. I think stuff like that really helps the combat and just the flow yeah. of battle. Yeah. Because I agree with you, like Baton Pass should just be in every Persona game from now on because it's so always weird. about just breaking weakness and whatever. So I love all that. I'm glad to hear it gets a little better, though. I'm, I, I, I guess I kind of agree with you, Maddie, where it's like, Tartarus isn't ideal, but it seems not as bad in this one. So I'm not like dreading it as much as I used to the old ones. And I think a lot of that is because of some of the combat changes. Also, the game seems I'm still pretty early, but the game seems easier than the other ones, I would say. Oh, yeah. Like way easier than I remember. I think maybe because some of the gameplay changes they made like Baton Pass. But I wonder if they just tweak the difficulty to just make it more accessible. Because like I remember three fest was like much harder. Maybe because you couldn't control party members, which got me killed a lot. But I'm not sure what it is about it yet, though. Three portable was really hard. Like I played. I'm not afraid to admit I played three portable played three portable on easy because like enemies hit like a freight train, man. I was like, yeah, yeah, first. That's why I dropped it the first time when I was in high school. I was like, what? I was like, I just lost like eight floors of progress because one enemy hit me for like 90 damage, but I only Mm -hmm. hit because difficulty it's more it's less in line with the smt roots which i think will prove to be kind of controversial with some fans out there who who like that persona 3 was kind of this walking of the middle ground where now we see with that really persona 4 and 5 like they've completely stepped away from what smt is like much more easier much more acceptable much more stylish (laughs) if you will Mm -hmm. Uh, three was that like middle ground and so i especially with all the new mechanics it's like it's a very i think it's yeah. more difficult than five but it's it's definitely sure easier i wonder with tartarus like I, i'm really curious what the perspective is of someone who's maybe only played five or five royal coming mm-hmm. into this game because i feel like because i had some experience with the og persona 3 that i like knew what i was getting in for so it's like okay cool i'm in like this flow state as maddie was saying i love that they kind of encourage you to try to push and push and like okay how far can i go in each run like oh if i selected this card i'll be able to go a little bit further maybe i'll try to only use normal attacks for a bit to save my sp stuff like that to like keep pushing but so i i guess i had it like i was like mentally prepared for what tartarus would be so i wonder if like persona 5 players are coming in like what what is this this yeah yeah isn't good you know that's true yeah i agree yeah i i do wonder what newcomers think about all that all that kind of stuff from what i've heard of the game everyone's been pretty positive on it but i wonder if that's just people who are persona fans already i'm really curious to hear what like p5 only people or newcomers will think about this game um how you feeling about the cast i like this cast a lot junpei of course the the best friend character that they always (laughs) do the use k and all that kind of stuff same character that's totally fine uh, I haven't got obviously introduced to all the characters yet, but I do like the castle on this game. Uh, I I do like the new voice acting too. 
I've been hearing mm. some of the English of it. I'm like, okay. Of course, it's different, but I think it's pretty yeah. solid so far. It's interesting to hear because I said in my video, I was like, I there's like Akihiko. I just can't, bro. I was like, who the fuck is this guy now? Like he's <laughs> a shell of himself, man. Like who is this dude now? Like he's got some funny moments, but but his his VA is not bad. Like none of these performers are bad, but in the terms of casting decisions, it's just mm. not. Especially Akihiko. Sure. Not I haven't heard them a lot. It was an adjustment. Junpei's the best, hundred percent. Junpei's like, very he, good. Yeah, yeah. He's this is so interesting, just because it's been so long since I played Persona Three that no one has really bothered me. But I also mm-hmm. don't even remember what yeah. their voices sound like to begin with. So I also really miss Yuri Lowenthal as the MC, like the way he would yell. Oh, sure. Certain yeah. attacks in the in the original game. I I'm sure he's super expensive to get now. But oh, yeah, I, I do. I do really miss that because this MC doesn't sound doesn't sound bad. But it just doesn't sound as like edgy as he looks. Sure. Yeah. So it's, it's missing a little bit for me. I'm not yeah, in love. I haven't heard him the MC a, a whole lot yet, I guess. But I do remember Yuri. Like one yeah. persona, like shooting himself yeah. in the head. It was really yeah. cool. So good. I wonder. Uh, actually, I have a question for. I guess Maddie who's played the most, but I guess Brad, you've played the old version. Is that mm-hmm. the thing with the main cast in this game? Is that the beginning of this game is totally unlike Persona Four and Five, where those games at least have like a little more of a lead up into the yeah. situation, and in this one, you're mm-hmm. kind of immediately put into mm-hmm. the situation with a decent amount of the the main cast of the game. But in addition, and maybe this changes later, but your main characters aren't social links. There's just one social link for the team. And so while that may change later, and I know that some of those, the female characters are romanceable later, so I don't know how that works in there, but it's weird that if this, not that I'm even that far, but I feel more disconnected with the main crew in this game so far than I did with the sure. smaller crew of four and five that you have at that point into the game. Yeah. I mean, I think that was just so that they got better at as the series went on. In my opinion, I agree with you, Dustin. I like the cast, but like the, the newer games do a better job of introducing you to them. They really take their time more, which some people might not like, you know, cause the beginning mm. can be a slow burn for some games and P3 gets much more into it quickly. I would say, but I prefer how they do later on. So hopefully as you play more, you'll start to enjoy them more. But uh, what do you think, Maddie? I think the biggest problem I have with Persona 3 is the start is so good. Like, I really think that first hour is super strong and how they pull you into the game and uh, and to cease and, and the, the evokers and whatnot. And like this mysterious dark hour, like it's very immediately cap- captures you, whereas like four is like, you know, you're a city boy living the quiet life now or five does a good job, I think, pulling you in. But five, I think, maintains. What happens with three, in my opinion, is you get through that first hour or so, and then I didn't I didn't realize it because it had been so long, but like you just get this month and a half really of just free time. Like you just mm. you don't get any connections with characters. You just go into Tartarus occasionally. You you spend time working social links with other people. It feels like the main cast is pulled out super immediately up until really it's not June or July that I feel the game kind of has this direction like okay here's this really important character and like here's your goal and here's what's going on like there's dissent in this group and let's go now like it feels like it really kicks off there um i feel like a lot of that is kind of missing for the early parts and i i totally agree with dustin there's a disconnect there i think 
it's definitely something as Brad said, they got better at, but I also feel that the, the probably goal is like, I don't know if there's any outside of like, I just, and Mitsuru to me, I don't think there's any real strong characters in that group, but I think they all share this kind of like trauma, if you will, mm-hmm. and this kind of pain in different ways. And so that's what drives them as a group. So I think that's why they do a singular kind of social link for them um, instead of individual ones. But no doubt that the decision in four and on to be able to bond with the people you spend the most time with was the, the proper choice for the series. Right. But um, I think, as Brad said, it, it was it was a good choice to evolve that. And um, I think that's just something they only got better at. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's talk about, like, I guess just visually. I think the game looks pretty nice, man. Honestly, yeah. obviously, it's very inspired by Persona 5. And I think the new menus are really clean. I really like them a lot. Like him falling into the water every time you boot up. It's just like, yeah, chef's kiss every time I see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you guys feeling about, like, I guess just from a visual standpoint, and I don't know. It's like they've the, the visuals are really good. I really like the new music a lot too, Dustin. I know you had some bold statements on Twitter about it. It was really oh, yeah. good. We can get into here, and I didn't catch this. Let me. Hear oh this. yeah, Dustin, yeah. go ahead. Okay. Well, I guess first I have a a mini sorted out for this game. Just oh, for the game, I have a different sorted out it. later. But <laughs> this game looks so good at certain points. It runs mm-hmm. at 4K 60 on both PS5 and Series X. Looks amazing, right? Uh, but the dorm, I immediately when I saw the dorm, I'm like, something's wrong with this room. It does not look mm. right. What is wrong with this room? It looks bad. And then I watched the Digital Foundry video, and I was like, what are they going to say about the dorm? And they were like, oh yeah, there's like barely any shadows in the dorm like if you look over there's like a bar with seating and i'm like this just looks like assets in a 3d space so like i don't know like it's they were talking about uh ambient occlusion and stuff like that and it's like it just looks that dorm room which is a place you spend so much time looks so flat that even they brought up a comparison of the original persona 3 oh and arguably in some ways in terms of lighting it looks better than reload Mm. wow so it's a very I mean, it's it is kind of a minor nitpick, but at the same time, it's like, dude, this is like a big space. No. Yeah. The other thing, too, I saw this going around on Twitter and I'm glad someone else brought this up. Uh, there's one place in the when you go to the nightclub where they wanted to show that there's lots of people in the club, but they're just like standing there. They're just frozen. <laughs> there's all these frozen. Yeah. The nightclub is weird. Yeah. It's just a little weird where everything yeah. else, I feel like the presentation, you know, I mentioned the ray tracing. There's like perfect reflections in the blood on the floor in Tartarus. And the lighting in there is so cool and dynamic and atmospheric. And then there's these few things I'm like, ah, like that. This room feels weird. It's very nitpicky. I know, but no, I think that's totally fine. I think that's yeah. very appropriate, especially for a remake of the game. You know, you expect, especially because you're saying some parts like so great and like, like you're saying the ray trace blood and Tartarus looks really cool when you're in there and just have like a very flat, like your dorm, the dorm's <laughs> going to be like one of the worst looking areas. You're in the dorm all the time. It just seems like a weird choice to me. Yeah. Maybe they'll patch that in dust. So when they do a new version of this game that you'll have to buy separately and not be able to just get as DLC. Did yeah. you guys see that there's apparently DLC for the answer coming to the game? Oh my god, yeah. I heard about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised guys... they're not gonna sell it to us again. Yeah, you know, that's I, I thought they'd do like the re-reload and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Re re-reload. <laughs> Second mag or something, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you guys think about the fact 
that I I when I saw the character like the the portraits, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. cool. And then it wasn't until I saw some original Persona 3 stuff that I was like, man, they the art style on these, it's still they're both very Persona, but they definitely modernized. Oh, yeah. Of yeah, a yeah. lot of the characters. Definitely. I bet you I'm like, there's some people aren't going to like that. But yeah, yeah. They definitely stepped away from kind of that. I think SMT games kind of had that style too, where you could like tell like, yo, this is an SMT slash Persona game, whatever that art style is, whoever the artist was, I don't recall, but it's definitely more in line with like anime cutscenes kind of stuff, which is fine with me. But yes, some people will be upset about that. Yeah. You're talking about for the dialogue portraits. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I really like the kind of use of the drop shadow that they have there. Like the, you mm-hmm. have like the character portrait and you have like the blue layer beneath it. That's like the same exact uh, portrait. I, I just think that that looks really appealing. Um, yeah, I, I like the artistic direction personally, you know, especially in its menus, like Persona's never really missed with their menus, even at the, their most simplistic with like Persona 3 in its base form. I think it was like really good and snappy mm-hmm. and appealing. Uh, it's so interesting hearing Dustin talk about things like the dorm room, because you you that's like a level of detail that I sometimes just fail to to register because it's like something looks wrong. But I'm like, oh, like I'm not really an artist. Like I probably just don't know what I'm looking at. And so sure. for you to notice that and then have it reaffirmed is 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 so eye opening to me because it's usually like I've I've heard when like speaking to artists they're like if something looks wrong it's probably like because there is something wrong um and so you you should probably trust your gut when you feel that but that was really interesting curse, to see Maddie. because yeah because right? you you can see that there's something not right but you're not smart enough to actually articulate it and so you yep. have to go to someone who's actually smart yep I'm like oh <laughs> oh yeah i knew that of course yeah right someone please help us <laughs> um yeah dude uh, I-, I thought the game looked fantastic visually i really what i really want to hear though dustin i want to hear these hot takes i don't want to guide the show too much here brad but I no go ahead hot takes on the music the music yeah i just want because I, I have a hot take of my own but i'm curious if we have aligned here so please my hot take on the music is that the new vocalist is better than the old vocalist on the tracks oh. uh well and i just think the music overall is uh, the music really itself i don't think has changed that much in terms of like its instrumentals and stuff like that but particularly the lead female vocalist i i can understand that the the original vocalist definitely has a more stylistic sound to her mm-hmm. voice and uh, again this is something i was talking to holly about she's a professional vocalist so i was like what do you think about this and she's like well the original definitely has more of like a mid 2000s female rock voice. And I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. appropriate for when it came out. But um, she's like, she sounds a little bit more breathy and not everyone's necessarily going to like that. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. The new vocalist is are, I think, just more in line with my tastes and what I would like, what I like in terms of the sound of someone's voice, I guess. But I don't know. There's like a has a little bit of a sweeter quality to it that I really like. Particularly, I saw when I put out the tweet that I said that I thought the new the new music was better than the old music. A lot of people were bringing up Mass Destruction, the main battle music. They're like, oh, it's horrible. I can't. The new. Mm. The, I was like, dude, I don't know. I think it's I think it's fire. Every time I'm, I'm like sitting in between attacks because like, oh, if I end this battle too soon, I'm not going to hear the chorus. So I want to I want to just sit and like listen for a sec. But I don't know, Maddie. I'll, when I posted that tweet, a lot of people agreeing, a lot of people saying I'm taking the L on this. Interesting. So yeah, 
I will say your uh, <clears throat> your take is different from mine. It, not that I actually have no problem with the vocalist at all. Um, I think the vocalist is fine. My problem is specifically with mass destruction, and I don't know if mm. I'm being weird for this take. I actually I do know I'm being weird. I don't know <laughs> if I'm the only one who's experienced this though with this take. Is there is this, and I listened to the original mass destruction. The check if I was insane, and it's there, but they just handled it differently. At the start of the song, after they do like the baby, 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 there's like this. I again, this, we were just talking, Dustin, about I don't know how to articulate what I'm hearing because I'm too yeah. dumb, but someone out there will. There's this like <laughs> thing that happens, and it's so fucking loud compared to the rest of the song. And when I'm playing with headphones on, it is so goddamn overbearing. I'm like, this is awful. I can't take this. Like, I hear it above everything else, above the vocals. I hear it above any instruments. It's this. It's so much louder and just hits something in my eardrum so profusely that I'm like, I try to ambush anytime I can because I like that song way better. Oh, that song's sweet too. Yeah, yeah, but like Mass Destruction is good. I don't mind this version, but there is something that they changed with the instrument where I was like, when I was playing it, I think I said in my video, I was like, I think they fucked it up somewhere because I was like, if you're playing with headphones and you catch that instrument, it's like that sound you can't forget and it just ping pongs your eardrums constantly, every track, every fight. (laughs) Dude, I'll I'll have to put on headphones and and try it out because I've just been using my like, Maybe bar, don't. So. I don't want to ruin it for you. Maybe don't. <laughs> Maybe don't. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't because if you Shoot. notice it, you can't escape it. That's like seventy hours of ringing in your ears. It's funny. I remember when Holly was playing Dragon Quest Eleven for you know a hundred fucking hours and just like <laughs> dun, 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 over and over and over oh, again. Fuck yeah, dude. There's and, like, uh, <laughs> I think it's one of those things with Persona that. I love the repetition of hearing the same song for 80 hours because it like sure. becomes a part of the experience of just hearing it over and over. But as a as a bystander of Dragon Quest XI, I was like, enough. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> but but yeah, it's awesome. That is cool. Man, I miss Dragon Quest. Where the fuck's 12, dude? Where they is it? That's a good question. so long ago, dude. I feel like we got news about it a while. That'd be like a while before we see it. 12 Jesus. i've not played dragon quest that's, that's you never like played my, dragon quest yeah it's on my list of things i gotta like check cool. out at some point like I, right now i'm finishing like all the final fantasy games which i'm doing a pretty good job of nice. dragon quest is one that i i really want to check out because i love a curatorialist yeah style. dragon ball is like my favorite so i really want to check it out are you gonna I see you have, is that eight that's the post yeah, that's eight. eight's eight. my favorite yeah. one yeah that's what i hear all the time eight's like really good yeah are you gonna play the online final fantasies I do want to try 14. Are you talking okay. about like 11? I think. It's oh, like yeah. The, yeah. I, 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 is that still accessible? Because I mean, I'm yes, Maddie, I played like a couple months ago. Oh, really? How was like, it? Like once a year, I resubscribe because I'm going through the expansions by myself. They sell it. So you have to resubscribe. <laughs> oh, you have to pay, dude. You have to pay a wow. monthly fee. It's I'm not impressed. free, dude. I mean, it's wow. cheap to buy the game with all the expansions. But like, yeah, you got to sure. sub up, dude. Uh, it's very archaic, Maddie. It's okay. very hard to get into, I'd say. I played it when it came out, so I have like some nostalgia for it, of course, so that always helps. But uh, yeah, it'd be hard for me to recommend it to someone. Like, you can't even jump at the game, Matt. You can't yeah. jump. So it's okay. like, that's how old it is. 14 clears, it sounds 14, like. <laughs> yeah, you can jump at 14, but it's still tight. Um, we had some questions. Daniel J. wrote in, Greetings, Specialized Extracurricular Extraction Summoners. Happy to see half of the JRPG core, oh, council with Maddie. 
I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir here, but Persona 3 Reload is amazing. What, what stuck out to me the most was how 3's DNA is still very present in the game, despite a lot of us thinking this was going to be a P-fied version, uh, remake of 3. But it seems they took everything great about the original and 5 and put them together, which makes me wonder, how are you guys feeling about this game compared to 5? And an optional bonus question, how are we feeling about what this game could mean for the inevitable Persona 6? Keep up the great work, guys. Mm. Mm. How are we feeling about this compared to five? We'll start there. I think personally, I think Persona Five is the best one. I think it's the easiest one to get in. I think it has my personal favorite characters in it and the most interesting dungeons and the gameplay. Yeah. I think is probably the best because you get guns and that's really fun. Um, what do you guys think? Hmm. I feel like it's too early for me to say compare three to five just from for where sure. I'm at personally. But my favorite's four, even over yeah. I, Maddie. This was a conversation back in ham radio all the time. I was like, which what's the peak persona? And I think yeah. I don't know, maybe you and I, we were like five royal might make it the best. Like the, the changes in royal really step mm-hmm. it up. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, quite a few notches which brad i'm so sad you haven't played that the, i've uh, played 20 oh, something hours but i haven't played oh, the new co- the 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 new character stuff dude right dude the i love co- it but there's so many fucking games coming out i want to yeah. play persona all the time but this <laughs> is the games won't stop dude yeah yeah royal man maddie and i could do a whole nother podcast on, on just yeah. the the additional content royal i feel like it's so undersold just because it's like oh they put new stuff in it they put a new mm-hmm. semester and it's like no no no. it takes the entire concept of the phantom thieves and brings it together in a way yeah. that is so cool yeah it makes it makes base five feel incomplete which i already kind of felt that wow. way like when the okay. game ended i was a little like all right I definitely liked four. I remember distinctly saying after I finished five, I was like, five is good, but four golden's better. But Royal's like this other stratosphere, dude. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So three reload will not eclipse, I think, five Royal. It's going to take probably something special in Persona 6 to do that. But uh, I mean, five Royals literally made me want to make a game. Like I literally finished it. I was like, wow, this left me so shell shocked for like four days straight. Like I, like, what am I doing? I'm making YouTube videos. Like, I need to I need to try to do something else, at least Whoa. in my life. Like, it, it just sent me into that fucking mental state. That's cool. Um, but when it comes to three reload versus base five, I think you could I think you can make the argument. It depends. Tartarus is like the defining factor. Like, I think they got mm-hmm. enough gameplay elements where I think Tartarus is enjoyable enough. Um, I, but at the same time, five is so tough to compare to other JRPGs because no other JRPG cares about their dungeons like five does. None. Like when right. you really look at the interior design and the mechanics, I think the closest we maybe got was Tales of Arise. That felt like a really high budget JRPG that had like interesting dungeons and things going on within their hmm. spaces. But otherwise, I feel like Royals just and five are just in a league of their own. So it's tough to compare. So with that aside, like I, I do think three reload does take a place above base five because I don't I didn't feel an attachment to the characters as much. Um, I thought the main plot stumbled in some ways after Kamoshida. Like I thought you had this fucked up villain and then you kind of bring like Madarame in and Kanashiro. And I'm like, all right, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's really about the characters they're connected to more than anything. Uh, Royal just with its new scenes and whatnot, just elevate all of those. So it, it, it makes everything much better. But 
three reload, I think, can can trump base five for sure, especially because of all the new gameplay elements. It's really good. Cool. What about Persona 6, though? Yeah, we didn't touch on that because I get asked this question anytime I do a mailbag. This is always a question that comes (laughs) up like, what should what do you want from Persona 6? And it's like, dude, they I want to be surprised and delighted. And I have no idea what that means at all yeah Uh, just because eat three four and five are such i don't know it they have this perfect line of they have this unity in their style completely but they are totally different in their style at the same time Mm -hmm. and i don't i don't know what you think maddie i'm curious i feel a little bit of concerns not the right word but just like hesitation about six just because Mm -hmm. it's not going to be the core persona team since they've been making uh, Refantasio for yeah. the last, I mean, since Persona Five, so yeah. there's like this concern about handing uh, handing off the baton to somebody else, <laughs> and what that means for it. And so, yeah, dude. Uh, do you remember like a few years ago there was maybe it was last year? It was like Persona Persona Six is going to be revealed soon, and yeah. then it didn't. It's been happen, a rumor for so long, right? Which is really weird. But I don't know, Maddie. What do you think? I, I, I agree with you. I, I know there should be no reason to fear, but with the original team not there. And also, dude, there's the reality of this. Like five Royal does feel top of the mountain kind of. Stuff. It's kind of like the Elden Ring moment for me where I'm like. I have all the faith in you guys as a developer, but like, how do you make this better? And I have the same question for FromSoft with their next souls. Like I, I imagine they'll avoid the Dark Souls formula in their case to prevent those comparisons and maybe chase down like a Sekiro too, which would be really interesting. But like. In the case of Atlas, like you've made, I think the story wise, gameplay wise, like uh, the only thing you can maybe do is next time around, not make the game as long, uh, which I think would bring in more newcomers. Like that's one thing that I think three reload also is appealing compared to more com- appealing compared to f- to five is just that, like, you know, three reload, you could probably finish like depending on how much you rush through it, like 60 hours, which is still a lot, but definitely mm-hmm. not 135, which is what you know, five took me and five Royal took me. Um, but yeah, I do have that shared concern, Dustin. Like, I don't feel as confident just because not only do they have to overcome what Persona five Royal did in my eyes, like they should at least reach for that. But like mechanically five added so much. I'm like, what more do you do with that? Like, how do you continue to evolve turn-based? Do you do what Refantasio is doing with this mixture of action and turn-based? It's like, okay, um, now you're kind of taking away from the new IP and its strengths. Uh, do you do what Yakuza is doing and kind of have these more like mobile areas? Like they're probably going to do something with movement would be my guess. Like that would be a good wrinkle mm-hmm. and, and mechanics built around that. But it's also the story, man. It's like, how do you, like, what is the theme this time? Every, every persona game is built around a theme. Like three is life and death. Four is reach out for the truth. Five is fighting injustice. I don't, I don't know why it's a weird take, but I feel like six is going to be like this, Every game has a color tone, right? Like three blue. I think four is like a yellow mm-hmm. and five is red. So I wonder if like is is six going to be like green? And like what does those colors mean certain things, right? So it's like it going to be a game about like disease and sickness or something along those lines. Like I that's like the other part is like the theme is obviously they have the the young in uh, philosophy that kind of pushes the whole game forward. But like what's the underlying narrative theme that drives persona six because it has to be powerful right um 
And is it going to look like a reaction to COVID if it's based around like sickness and illness is the other thing I thought of with that idea. Uh, so I could go on, obviously, but I, I share, Dustin, that sort of like hesitation is the best word, right? Like, okay, mm-hmm. I shouldn't just re-fantasio. I got all the confidence in the world, man. I'm feeling real fucking good about that game. But like Persona 6, it's like, all right, let's, it's a new team. It's like Kingdom Hearts, right? You got like the, the A team and the B team. Um, and you can feel that throughout and so hopefully as we saw like the kingdom Hearts team a lot of them left to work on seven remake and i think when you look at three kingdom Hearts three versus seven remake like you kind of feel where the talent went for the most part um so that's how i'm looking at it yeah like i'm not holding my breath that like six is gonna blow my socks off but we'll see i'll tell you what i like to see from six is i would like to see it set in college this time instead of high school mm-hmm. yeah that'd be i think aging the characters up could be interesting and putting them in more adult situations i guess more stuff like that. I would also like to see combat evolve beyond just a dungeon. Maybe not just fighting in a dungeon all the time. Something more in the real world coming into mm. the real world or something like that. Because it's always like, it's usually like in a space, I guess. You know, you're in the palace. You're in the the Midnight Channel or whatever it was called. You're in Tartarus. Maybe some of those elements bleeding out into the world more and affecting the real world. Something more like uh, proper SMT games do. Like, I don't know if you guys played SMT5, but like the world just fucking destroyed yeah. and I stuff that like game. that. So yeah. wonder if they can just throw some interesting things in like that in there. But uh, yeah, I would just like to see them. I think aging them up and just college would just be a different enough experience, you know, than high school. I agree. So I'd like to see that. But uh, yeah. yeah, the color I do wonder about green or purple, maybe purple. Purple was Persona 1, so you got to wonder, oh, like, okay. do they respect that or not, right? That's like, a good question. What if they're just like, yo, this, the color for this one is like black, or it's like just white. That could be intense. That would be cool. Just a shade. Hmm. All right, we got one more question. Chess Wombat wrote in, or Cheese Wombat. Hello, you sultry signed summoners. I'm about 10, 15 hours in Persona 3 Reload, reload as writing this. And Matt, mostly the first, or it's my mostly first time player of Persona 3, have dabbled in old versions. I'm having a wonderful time getting to finally know this world and these characters that I've heard so much about from other Persona fans over the years. One thing I've definitely noticed while playing, however, is, is how this remake just keeps as much intact as the original. Wait, uh, is this the same email? Hold up, reload, reload Hold it back. <laughs> you double check this. Um, it's kind of similar question, actually, now that I think about it. That was the last one. Let's read this one. Uh, sorry, Cheese Wombat, you got cut, but thanks for writing in. Kazin Risk. Hey, sexy summoners. Now that Persona 3 Reload is available, what order should a newcomer approach the franchise? Start with Persona 4 Golden, since it's now the oldest of the modern releases. Jump into Persona 3 Reload, since it's the first in terms of the game order, even if they're independent stories. Start with Persona 5 Royal since it seems to be the most accessible for people. Interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, this is an interesting one because I feel like you're going to play one of these and you're going to be good for a while because these are pretty long games. Like, unless you're a psychopath that's going to play all three of them in a row. So, I don't know. I guess I would just say Persona 5 because I think it is the easiest to get into. And it's, it's on like a lot of platforms, obviously, and it's very strong. Persona 5 Royal, to be frank, but it yeah. is the longest game, so that could also be deterrent for you. 
four. What do you think about four golden? I think four golden is really good, but it definitely is going to feel the oldest now mm. compared to all of them. Hmm. Yeah, that's the biggest question mark, right? Because now, now everyone's asking, well, if you're going to remake three. What are you going to do with oh, four? And I'm like, well, please. I feel like three necessitated changes. I was like, with four, it's just going to be like, I think by the books, like, all right, just bring in five's mechanics and like, here visuals. you go again. <laughs> yeah. Dude, they'll get so much more heat for Persona 4. They already got heat again when they re-released it for people that don't like some of the story elements, which we don't have to get into now. But mm-hmm. it'd be interesting to see if they try to change some things. But yeah, I really guess it depends for this person whether or not are you do you want to potentially play all the Persona games? Because in that sense, it probably would be best to start with the oldest one with Persona 4 Golden and sure. then work your way up because it'll be harder to go back yes. once you play five, uh, five Royal and Persona 3 Reload. Uh, going back to Persona 4, it's going to feel a little clunky, but then you also, you know, you could burn yourself out or if you don't like golden, then you might get the wrong impression. If mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's just not quite modern enough for you or something like that. So I don't know. That's yeah. It's a tough choice. Yeah. I'm all it for a, a four remake though. I was thinking about that after this. I was like, you know what? Even if they don't need to change a lot of stuff, if they give us, you know, the better graphics, the, the full size character models and stuff like that, and just redo it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. I'd love that. Sure. Uh, I guess just for my answer for this is to the list or the write in is if you just want a shorter one, I'd say do three reload three reload's very good and it's shorter. But if mm-hmm. in my opinion, if you want maybe the easiest one to get to or the best quote unquote one to get into five Royal, but it is the longest. So keep that in mind during your playthrough because there's nothing worse playing a game and just getting burnt out. And not wanting to keep going. So keep that in mind. But three is definitely a yeah. shortest. So maybe that. And is five Royal on Game Pass still? I think it got removed recently. Okay. Well, I want to say if you got Game Pass, it, uh, three reloads on there. So it's easy to hop into. Mm-hmm. I'll double check real quick. I, I would just signal boost your uh, your answer there. I think that Persona three, I mean, especially with Game Pass, um, yeah, it did leave Game Pass, by the way, Persona 5 Royal. Um, okay. I think Persona 3 Reload is just with Game Pass. Like you kind of can feel it out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Test drive it. Yeah. Right. And see if you, you're into what it's doing, um, which I think it takes a while to show all of its strengths. But still, you can at least feel out the core loop and kind of understand, like, is Persona for you or not? Mm-hmm. You combine that with uh, all the bells and whistles 5 has still a really great story, a phenomenal ending. Um provided nothing's changed <laughs> once i finish it right um but at least what i played in the base game a phenomenal ending um it's you know and again like persona's a massive commitment like we talked about with like one piece and these other yeah you know japanese focus series is like there's just uh sometimes no short way around it and like there are ways like you can trim off hours on the clock with persona 3 you can you know not do the requests you don't really have to do those for example um that's like an option too you don't have to fill out your compendium every playthrough like that's not something you have to do um, so there are ways to get through it quicker where like three reload, I think is a good way to find out if you like persona and they're different enough story and theme and yeah. art wise where yeah. like, if you like three reload, then you can go balls to the wall 
um, yeah. and just enjoy. Like I would just hop into whatever one. Like I, I would have less reservations about four golden just because I think four golden story and characters are so good. You will not fucking care about the gameplay. Like I feel and the music, <laughs> like it's just so top notch. The gameplay is good enough, but like those characters are so good, man. The vibes in that game are excellent. You'll just yeah. be there for that. Trust me. Like it's, I care more about the social links in that game than any other persona game because it's just so entertaining. Mystery food X scene. Hilarious. Like it just doesn't get old. So yeah, I, w- I would so, just say uh, start yeah. with three reload. Yeah, I'd say three reload probably just because it's newer and people are talking about it. You can get in the zeitgeist too. So you can have fun with that. And you don't want to get spoiled on something. True. All right, Maddie. I'm so curious about this game. I've been hearing mixed things all over the board about this game. (laughs) Lots of mixed impressions. I don't know what the hell's going on with this. Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. Yeah. What the hell is this game, Maddie? Uh, Yeah, this is okay. So I'm a big Rocksteady fan. Like I think most of us out there, you know, love the Arkham trilogy. Right. Asylum City, Night, excellent games. City to me, best superhero game ever made. Um, and despite the noise heading into release, I really kind of stayed out of it. Like I didn't cover it. I didn't even really register most of it. Cause I'm just like people bitch about everything. <laughs> and quite frankly, like this game doesn't look bad to me. It doesn't look like what I want out of Rocksteady. Like I don't want a third person shooter from them, but it doesn't look like they're phoning it in, especially someone who reviews a ton of games. Uh, many of those awful. This doesn't look nearly as bad as anything I played last year. So I don't know. Maybe I'll be the weird one who ends up liking this. So I really went in with a truly open mind. Um, and in my review, I, I defined it. I, I, I don't want to sound hyperbolic, but uh, or hyperbolic, but I just it was so crushing. It was like as I got deeper oh. and deeper, I was thinking like, <laughs> fuck, man, like what the so hell? Crushing. Like, why? Why did we do make so so many bad decisions made where when you play, I think those first it took me 11 hours to beat. You know, not including time spent with the end game. Um, and I did side content and stuff. Mm-hmm. When you start the game, I think the opening hours, the tutorial, it's hilariously bad to me. Like, you, you just immediately you're like, this is a far cry away from anything we got at the start of any Arkham game. Like, walking into Arkham City cuffed up versus this weird jetpack tutorial that they have in, in Suicide Squad night and day. <laughs> so you immediately get a kind of, oh boy. I think then it settles in. I'm like, oh, these characters are entertaining. This concept of killing the Justice League is actually pretty cool, especially because like their first target, they spend so long trying to figure out. I thought the game was pretty enjoyable up to that point because you didn't know everything about it. Like these missions are kind of new and this world is new and these characters are new and this concept is new. And so it's actually kind of like, you know what? This is feeling like I don't love this, but this is like guilty pleasure right now. And then you just feel something go off the rails by, I'd say like the, 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 the quarter to 30% mark of the game after, you know, your first targets handled, if you will. Um, and it is from there super rushed and you start to see the patterns really settle in very little mission design. The loot is not exciting. Even if the gunplay is snappy and feels good, the loot and the guns themselves don't have like even the notorious weapons, which are like the highest tier uh, of rarity you can get. Nope, like they just don't feel different from like your common shotgun. Uh, the UI is like though the people I know social media drags a lot of games might have even undersold it. Like that was 
it, you don't know what you're looking at. There were moments my eyes were glazed over because the game just auto aims and snaps for you that I was like, there's so many particle effects. There's so many little <laughs> indicators all over my screen, the map, the arrows pointing to every fucking enemy in the vicinity. Like it's just, there's so much going on. I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm just pointing and shooting. It is literally shut off your brain type gaming in the worst way possible. Like it's a mess. Um, and so, yeah, the gameplay never appealed to me. It never grew on me. I think part of that's because they didn't lean into the RPG elements like uh, the talent tree. You level up and I think of like Borderlands, you know, you get those three skill trees. You're like, oh, okay, like, you know, what kind of build can I make like Harley Quinn, this like mallet beating healer or like, can I make uh, uh, King Shark this complete melee build? And he's got like these unique abilities compared to like Deadshot. No, man, it's all percentages. It's all gun damage increases. Oh, it's all it's it, it, the only difference between these characters truly is their mobility. Like King Shark can run around and jump really high. Uh, Deadshot has a jet pack and you have to like manage the feel on it. Harley Quinn has like kind of weird web swinging and, and Captain Boomerang uses like teleports. And that's it, dude. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you, I, I tried in my review to not compare to Arkham that much because I'm like, this is like the cream of the crop. And it's been nine years and like, this is your follow up and you got to go big. But like when you look at the Arkham games and the personality that's attached to its gameplay systems, like the way you truly feel as Batman and his flow in combat, because free flow combat is like the goat, in my opinion, but also just like systemically, like here are these gadgets. These gadgets can be used out in the world to discover new things like Riddler trophies at the same time as like putting an explosive gel down mid combat and stunning your foes to set up a ground takedown. Right. Like and you feel like Batman because you can take on 18 people at once wipe them out without getting touched through counters, creative use of your gadgets and these special takedowns, right? In Suicide Squad, it baffled me so much that like there were two decisions there that they could have made to save the game. And it was just leaning into the kits of these respective characters in their comics more and also making these talent trees a big part of that. If the gameplay was good, yeah, the story has some extremely, I won't spoil anything, extremely questionable decision making all throughout. And especially mm -hmm. by the end when it's super hampered by live service elements you're like what in the fuck were they thinking man but i do think if the gameplay was i wouldn't say good because it works and it can feel fun but if the gameplay had these unique builds and characters who were fun to play as like i gotta say this man and i never thought i'd be complimenting avengers i fucking hate that game that game understood character builds and kits way better they understood their task way better than suicide squad ever does and that's saying something yeah this <laughs> rocksteady defined that shit in my opinion Right. And Avengers felt like an imposter, like never do this again. And Rock City comes out and does something worse. I, it's it's stunning. And again, I a lot of my complaints do sit with that story where, um, I don't, again, I don't want to get into spoilers, but just mm -hmm. there were choices made that I just I, I feel were extremely questionable. But the gameplay and the mission design, like you have you have to like bring. It's dude, you guys wouldn't even fucking believe it if you see it. Like there, there's like this one where there's like a battle bus, like from Fortnite, and it's it's parked by penguin, and you have to like run around and grab civilians hiding out in like closets in the random apartment buildings. You grab them and you put them in these tiny little balls, and then you throw them inside the the battle bus, and they they recycle that mission, or sometimes they're grabbing data shards, or sometimes you're like protecting the point or your es escort missions up the ass. Like it's mm -hmm. oh my god. Like th these missions are just not fun or creative at all. And and it's weird because if these were like the end game things that you use to cycle loot, okay. But what they are, man, are, are like, this is the main narrative. Like there are these big set pieces. The boss fights are 
like the more I sat on it, the more I was like, man, especially this one boss fight, just extremely questionable. Just a lot of bad decision making. Like you could, <laughs> this game is a good example. I got to give Skill up credit for this because I think he said in his review, this game is a really good example of how important early design is. There were a lot of decisions made in this game for sure early on that have served to bite it in the ass. And it's not just like, oh, it's live service, it's bad. It's like there are decisions with the gameplay and how these characters feel that have to be made super early that were just bad calls. Like basing it around guns when guns don't feel great is a bad call. And you can't Mm -hmm. make that late. You made that really early. Uh, The lack of talent trees having any true additive effects on the gameplay, that's an early call and it's a bad one. Like there's just a lot of, it's the story's bad for sure, but the story could be entertaining, but it's, it's definitely got questionable decisions, but the, the bad calls really lie in the gameplay and it, it hurts the thing, man. It really does. It's, you know, when I finished my review, I think I gave it away for a sale. I said, look, it's, it's again, it's when I look at Redfall and Forspoken, like games I reviewed last year that I thought were bad in their own echelon, right? Cause then there were the game mill bad games. Like, you know, I reviewed uh, The Walking Dead Destinies. I, I I reviewed Avatar Quest for Balance, Skull Island Rise for Like, those are fucking terrible, right? Those games should have never graced the market. These other games I'm talking about, like your Redfall or your Forspoken, are like bad games that maybe some people will find enjoyment in. And I do think Suicide Squad is far better than those. And it works far better than those. But you don't want to pay full price for this. I paid $100 to get the deluxe edition to play it early. I did not rush my playthrough. I kind of just chipped through it while I you know, grinded out some tech in the meantime. And I, I was like thoroughly, thoroughly disappointed by the end of it all. So Jeez. obviously so- I can go on, but yeah, I, I, I really, it was not a fun review to make. Cause like rock steady, man, like we already know, thanks to the insomniac leagues, like we're heading towards this very like superhero centric future. And I mm-hmm. like that rock steady doesn't come around super often. And when they do like, it's this, it's like they deliver. Right. Um, and to be gone for this long, and and to see like the mess that was Gotham Knights and it's like, well, we still got Rocksteady and they're working on a Suicide Squad game. And then you get this, you're like, fuck, like the DC side of things, which I've found myself more attracted to lately is just not clicking right now on mm-hmm. the gaming front. And it's really sad. And so I hope the Wonder Woman game is great from Monolith um, because Ooh. like DC fans need a win. <laughs> they're not winning right now uh, just because the concepts in, in Suicide Squad are so cool. And I feel like they... They just missed the mark every step of the way. So, yeah, I forgot about Monolith. Uh, <laughs> I hope yeah. it's great, too. I've played both those Lord of the Rings games. They're OK. They're OK. I love free flow. So I'm such a sim for anything with that. Combat. Oh, it's sure. Mad Max, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of Wardor. I said you that talk, Shadow of War and Mordor. So good. You want to talk narrative, though? Woof on those games. Mm. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're uh, right. <laughs> Maddie. So you're describing this mission to me about a bus putting people in a bus. This was a yes. main story campaign mission. Yes. What are we talking about on the side? What the hell's going on in Metropolis that you can also do? <laughs> that <laughs> that's the problem. That's, it? that's like all the you're just <laughs> yeah, doing so, board yeah, shit. Like, like, like I mentioned, there's there's the battle bus things. You, so you'll pick up items or people and throw them in there. Uh, the penguin from the Arkham games is, is driving this bus. So there's nothing interesting. on like how he got to Metropolis. He's just there and he's like your weapons dealer. Um, Poison Ivy is there uh, and you have to protect her plants. There are um, these kind of like shielded bases that like need to charge something from Brainiac effectively that you have to protect. 
which are it's literally the same thing as like the, the plant mission with poison ivy and then there's usually like these escort missions where like a vehicle is moving through the streets and you're just kind of jogging you're not even like running or flying you're just jogging behind it waiting for enemies to spawn um <laughs> and that's i'm trying to rattle my brain i think that's it Damn, i truly dude. do yeah like the mission variety here sucks bad I haven't played this game yet, uh, but the one question I had just because all I guess this is an assumption, but a lot of the takes I've seen on Twitter and hearing people talk about it are all from a single player experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I was wondering is that, do you think that let's say a year from now, (laughs) maybe less than that, based on how this game is turning out, (laughs) me and the boys see this game, we can pick it up for 20 bucks. Would a team of four maybe not fix the game, certainly not fix it, but add something to maybe make it more worthwhile? Possibly, because I think they're adding new playable characters in these seasons. One of them's the Joker. They showed Mr. Freeze in one of the like imageries. I'm like, okay, like I like hmm. who you're picking from here. Um, this could be interesting. It could also go south, obviously. Knowing this whole game is in the Arkhamverse, the presence of Joker is a major question mark in its own right. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. very confused. Yeah. So uh, they, they're going to have to backpedal something somewhere. But to answer your question, I don't know right now. Just because like, who knows if like if they introduce the Joker and he's like very different from the rest of the heroes or the villains, whatever you want to call him. That could be good because that's something mm-hmm. that the game really needs. Um, but then you need like four more of those because the four base heroes don't play differently enough. And I feel like I, I mean, I played this game by myself. And even though you needed to be online, I like that, for example, I could pause the game and like the action would stop and I could just go up, go to the bathroom, get food or whatever, and then come back and unpause my game. So that was nice. Uh, but playing with friends, I almost don't know if it would I could I think you could make an argument it would make it worse because you know like or I actually think you could argue it would make no difference because when I'm playing the game like there was no synergy with other members of the suicide squad which I think is also a problem right so I'm glad you asked this because you don't like work with them or have unique abilities that involve you teaming up with them or like again as I said earlier Harley Quinn's a healer but I'll be the damage role like I got you guys like there's none of that you're just four people running around fucking shooting shit Uh, So I feel like you're just going to start talking about like fart jokes or whatever on Discord while the story plays out. So I yeah, for like 20 bucks. Yeah, for sure. But I don't think it's going to, at least from my early read, I don't think it's going to enhance your time with the game. Uh, Maybe you will because you'll laugh at certain things, but uh, I don't think it'll make it better because there's no teamwork of any kind involved, like even of the most basic level. Man, we live in a world where... uh... (laughs) Grand Blue Fantasy and Suicide Squad came out in the same week, and it, there is more. I mean, we'll talk about Grand Blue in a bit, but more strategy and cooperative play in Grand Blue than saw, in Suicide Squad. Uh, yeah, and the Steam player counts higher. Like it's fucking crazy, it's fucking man. Wild dude. Yeah, uh, Maddie, this whole conversation just made me really depressed. I'm, I'm sorry. saddened to hear this. Suicide Squad, <laughs> I, kill yourself. Yeah. More like it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's what it feels like, dude. <laughs> I do love the Arkhamverse too, Maddie. And I was on uh, Team uh, Arkham City also. Yes, for sir. The best. Yes, yeah. Sir. Uh, Jesus, dude. Uh, this, I don't know, man. 
were the Suicide Squad themselves likable? Did you enjoy them at all? Since they are like the main characters. It's really hard to talk about this without spoilers. So I can okay. talk like surface level personalities. Sure. I enjoy them. They're very entertaining. Um, Great. King Shark is hilarious. Uh, there, there are some real like genuine. I should have at least let in with something positive. There are some real laugh out loud moments in this game, like genuinely funny, well-directed scenes like the again, the rock steady quality is kind of there. Uh, the, it, like it really is a funny ass game. Like they captured that so well. Like this is just a team of misfits. No one's really taken seriously. I think sometimes because they don't take certain parts seriously, it hurts big moments in the game. But like, yeah, they're they're really funny. I think my biggest issue in the terms of character is with Harley Quinn because she has the longest standing presence in the mm-hmm. series next to like Batman and her. Some of her lines of dot, like I'll just say this, she shit talks Joker a lot. And I don't I don't know if I'm forgetting something from Arkham City or Arkham Knight. But as far as I understood, like this chick was ride or die. And all she is saying in this game is like my crazy ex. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you shit talking about your man for? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like she's totally anti Joker in this game at times. And I it's a, I think very polarizing to the character she once was, um, among other behavioral changes with other interactions that she has. Where I'm just like, where did that come from? She's the character I had the most issues with. She's still entertaining. But yeah, otherwise, um, everyone else is a, is a good time to be around. I think they're they're a really funny team and it'll definitely get some laughs out of you. OK, um, so is it just all shooting pretty much? No, like melees or anything like that. So there's a melee button and you can uh, when you hit certain enemies with like, let's say you shoot their lower body, you can open up for a shield harvest. You hit them with the shield harvest. You you regain shields that protect you from losing health, which sounds like a good rhythm. But like because there's so many enemies on screen and the the aim is so like snappy auto aim, think like Red Dead Redemption 2, like you just literally click the left trigger and it just brings you to the nearest target pretty easily. Yeah. Um, it works kind of like that where you're going to snap to their chest and then have to automatically lower down to their body to like shoot them. And there are missions that require you to do stuff like that or else you'll do zero damage, which is a whole other layer of bullshit this game has where they do these weird like gameplay requirements, uh, get a damage boost to do damage. And I'm like, but you have to do damage to get the damage boost. So you have to like luck into it. Like there's just moments there uh, where it's terrible. But the, the, the melee, um, it works well with Deadshot because he can do it from a range. Everyone else has to get really close. And when you combine that with all the chaos on screen, the camera starts kind of messing around, um, which which I found to be, again, very surprising. When you look at the, the camera for the Arkham Combat games, is perfect. It just pulls out yeah, the right amount. Is. Everything's visible. No UI really required. Just look at the enemies on screen. And it's 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 completely against everything that those games stood for yeah even to the simple fundamentals of their design so yeah the the gameplay really doesn't evolve beyond the shooting there are super attacks you can do which are like big aoe attacks which are cool um there's a a suicide squad attack you can do which is just like a solo target special attack so if like an enemy's got a lot of health or you're just really annoyed at this one dude giving you a hard time you can light them up um and do like pretty much insta kill them but yeah, man, like I'm not kidding when I say it, it's it's just shooting like it does not Jeez. does not evolve beyond that. Like they don't really even introduce. I mean, that's the other thing that the Arkham games get right that this game just misses is enemy design, like mm-hmm. interesting enemy encounters, things that you do for specific enemies. And, and so you can like counter shot some or you have to shield harvest some. But there's there's not enough tools in your tool belt 
to make these encounters like you're going all over the controller it's just like a different way of shooting someone so it's it's not really interesting yeah that's pretty disappointing can you bite someone as king shark i don't think i played as him enough to know that but i saw in one of the trailers he gobbled someone up so i hope so okay uh, that's important yeah yeah I need you can land on people like because he can jump really high you can land on people and do like aoe damage which which makes him kind of fun to play as i guess but uh, otherwise i don't know if you can eat people i hope you can be cool <laughs> All right. Uh, Christian Longo wrote in, what's up, Summoners? I am curious about your guys' take on the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League controversy. I've completed it and have put a significant amount of time into the endgame, and it is not as horrendous as everyone makes it out or makes it seem. That being said, it's not very good as a video game. It starts off uh, deceiving with strong story missions with great pacing, but it fumbles the bag hard as it starts to introduce life service elements i think people need to take it easy on attacking the devs and more so should shift their blame towards warner brothers as this was clearly forced upon rock steady by them this has quickly become my favorite show on lsn thanks for all you do yeah matt do you do you think this is all warner brothers um it's so hard to say just because i feel like this might have been rock steady more and i say that because I encourage people to check out Gotham Knights, not because it's good. It's very bad. Check it out, though, and look at some of the elements in the game. And especially now, 2020 hindsight, mm-hmm. there's a lot of similarities between Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad. And I feel like Gotham Knights went to more of that co-op style game because um, the response to Avengers was so negative and that would have tanked the game further. Right. Whereas Suicide Squad, I think the vision was always some sort of online component um the biggest shame is that the city space is so awesome like metropolis looks incredible cool incredible like that same feeling you got with arkham knight overlooking gotham arkham city overlooking that same feeling here like metropolis is beautiful and you just want to explore every corner of it there's nothing there um i don't know if wb's to blame i imagine they absolutely play a part in it i'm not gonna act like they're blameless but Looking at how I think Gotham Knights was pivoted and this wasn't makes me believe that Rocksteady likely wanted it to be this type of game or because it was in development for so long, it eventually had to be this type of game, which then you could possibly blame WB for. But yeah, there's no denying that the opening hours, because I'll just say again, the first hero that they're going after, there's a real buildup. There's this question mark like you know this is justice league we're dudes with guns like how do we do this and i think the conclusion they come to there is pretty good it's Mm -hmm. just that not every other member of the justice league and so on gets that treatment and they just rip through the rest of the story like the first hero i'm talking about is like four hours of the story five hours maybe depending on how much side content you engage with and whatnot and i just mentioned how 11 hours was what it took to beat me so you have the rest of that game all those heroes and all those things you have to reach a conclusion in in six hours it's just yeah it, it, it really wasn't handled well so i i feel like eventually they they had to you know they were working on something they're like yo you're taking a while guys like nine years eight years i like, gotta get something out but this has to be live service because we need to get our money back because there's no way this is gonna like they probably did internal projections and said like look how many millions of copies this has to sell Mm-hmm. No matter what we do, we will not sell that much. This has to be live service. So combined effort, perhaps, I, I, who knows? But I'm curious to know what Rocksteady was working on between Suicide Squad and Arkham Knight, because there's no way this was just it. 
something had to be yeah. ongoing at the time. I know there was rumors that were then shut down by Schreier of a Superman game, but when you look at Metropolis, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I feel like this was definitely the home to some other game. Like, it's just too beautiful to just be for live service gaming. Yeah. I, you know, call me crazy, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I think there may have been some meddling. It's just hard to tell where. Yeah, it sounds like you said Metropolis just is kind of like, it looks great, but there's nothing to it really. Yeah. There's no, it sounds like there's no great side quests really either. Like a lot of the Arkham games have, you know, like some of those villain ones, you yeah. really get all that stuff. Just sounds like there's none of that there. And that's so you, disappointing. You have side quests, put that right. in air quotes for those who are listening on the go with uh, Poison Ivy and Penguin. But they're the same missions I mentioned earlier, just like audio logs. It's just, yeah, like you don't yeah. get that kind of gradual build up. Like think about in Arkham Knight, like you're flying around, you hear the phone ringing, you just pick it up and it's Victor's ass. It's like, oh shit, right? Yeah. Like that's a really cool moment in that game. It's just off to the side. You don't get that here. There's like, there's the Riddler trophies and challenges, but like you realize how important the gadgets were in Arkham games to making those Riddler trophies fun because you're like really trying to, you know, like use them creatively, the remote controlled batarang, for example. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's just uh it's very surface level, unfortunately. Damn, dude. All right. <laughs> I'm bummed out. Let's do sort it out. We got some stuff to sort out. In case you don't know, this same man, we just complain about something. Game, company, person in the industry, whatever. Just need some sorting. Who's not doing well right now? Uh, you guys seem locked and loaded with some. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it. Let's start with you, Dustin. Yeah, uh, I'm happy this is my sorted out when Maddie's here, just because I wonder if he shares a uh, a similar feeling. This is sorted out release day shipping on games. Okay, Ooh. us physical gamers, you know we're suffering. We're having yep. a hard time out here. It's hard enough when companies are doing early access just for pre-ordering digitally which is uh for grand blue fantasy they did that very annoying especially when you know i i got grand blue digitally i had to i had to get i knew i needed to get that time in before persona but anyway that's not even what i'm talking about here so when it came to persona thought okay i'm having some hard times locally getting games on release day here in western pa uh just because my options are gamestop target walmart that's it no Best Buy near me. I could drive 45, 50 minutes to one, but I, I, ideally I'd like not to. Mm-hmm. So I went to different various retailers online and was going to pre-order the game. And then I noticed all of them say ship on release day. And this is a change that has happened re- over the last year or two where sometimes these games, they no longer are able to overnight ship them so you get them on release day. I had this happen to me recently with a game. I don't remember which one, though. And uh, it's very, very frustrating and annoying that uh, it's like, OK, I'm going to pre-order well in advance, figure it out, sort it out on how to ship this. So it shows up on release day. And uh, I got lucky. I feel like with Persona 3 Reload because it's like, well, I'm not going to pre-order it online because I don't want to be sitting there on release day, you know, and be like, well, what do I do? Do I have it pre-ordered, but it's not coming today? Do I just concede and buy it digitally? Do I wait? Do I try to find one locally? Because there's been certain instances where 
certain games on launch day, if I don't go in the morning to get them, there won't be copies. And with Persona 3 Reload, I went to Target in the morning and initially I checked on their stock on their website and it didn't. It said it was not in stock. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm going to have a bad day. And (laughs) there were two, two copies of Persona 3 Reload in the store. And I was like, well, whoa, glad I came early. So, I mean, that's a whole nother sort of just the stock of physical games as well. And it's just sucks uh, for people who like buying games physically. I know that this is just uh, I know it's the beginning of the end. Uh, in fact, it's not even the beginning of the end. We are in the midst of the end currently. But at least, you know, I understand if, if physical games become more of a niche thing, then I'd like to have it on release day. Am I yeah. asking for too much here? No, I don't know. You're not. Dude, you're not asking too much. My copy of Rebirth, I got the stupid hundred dollar edition that they do for Final Fantasy games. That mm-hmm. is a bunch of bullshit that is never worth it. But I've already done seven remake and 16 in that edition so i feel like i gotta yeah, keep the streak up of you know just consume consume more final fantasy that's what i'm gonna do Excellent. i have it pre-ordered at best buy i'm already thinking okay. like what do i do Wait. on launch day if it doesn't show up the best buy that's 45 minutes from you well i have it pre-ordered from their website oh okay to ship to me mail. okay i've had good luck with best buy dustin so hopefully are you getting it on launch day when you when you order so what I do is, yeah, I usually do in-store because there's one not too far from me. I do in-store pickup. Always there, day one. No delays ever. That does uh, sound like the best ideal option. That is the ideal option. That's what I do for physical all the time. Uh, I think online ordering, I get it most of the time. If it's like day one, it's usually on time. Amazon, I stopped because I never got it anymore on day one. Mm. And I'm like... Yeah. There's an Amazon facility very close to me, so it's super annoying. I had no idea why. But uh, yeah, man. Yeah. That sucks for you. You reminded me. It was uh, Armored Core. I bought the special edition. Uh, this actually wasn't even from Amazon. It's from Bandai Namco's website. Oh, I yeah. Think it showed up three okay. days later or something. Okay. Wow. It's like, I I have given you extra money, and I feel like I'm being punished for it. Yeah. yeah. That, it, that sucks. Yeah. For me, the worst is uh, <clears throat> I don't shop there anymore, but GameStop, uh, when I decided I was done with them, I forgot what game it was for, but I like they're the gamer store. Right. And I, right. I wanted to pick up a, a new game and I came to them and they're like, oh, you got to pre-order that and, and then we'll have it in stock. Otherwise, we don't get units shipped to us. I'm like, your specialization is a video game store. You're not like Target mm-hmm. or Best Buy where you carry my groceries or my other electronic needs on top of games. You are a video game store. And I have to pre-order shit for you to have. Like, you should have the niche of the niche. Like, you should feel like a gigantic mom and pop shop, but they don't. Um, yeah. And so that that's where I, like, just abandon them. I've taken my talents to Best Buy, and I've had a good experience with them personally. Um, see, I, I hear you, Dustin. Yeah, it's... Dude, there's not... The pre-order shame... Confused, the shame you get at GameStop when you come oh, in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, dude, one instance I came in to get a game on launch day, but I was there like early evening and they're like oh we sold the copies on hand you gotta you gotta pre-order it i was like you for real bro like (laughs) dude don't even get me started with GameStop trying to sell you open games as new also have you ever had that happen maddie yeah yeah i have one uh where i could actually go grab it it's a copy of dio field chronicles that's new i ordered it online never shop as someone who has a series dedicated to on a retro rebound, never shop at GameStop online because they do. This just got stickers on it and it's 
new because the game's never been played. Motherfuckers gave me like a, a promotional shelf copy loaded with stickers and they called it new and sold it to me for that full price. I was just like, screw yeah, you Yeah, probably has some kid's slime on it, yeah. you know, like some little <laughs> yeah. kid sneezed on it. It's got the Stupid. sticker gunk. It's just kids. unacceptable. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that ain't right, dude. I hate GameStop, man. Every yeah. time, dude, try to ups, upsell me on some random bullshit. It's like, yeah. no, man. I, just I, bad. I know the employees thing. like are told to do that, but like it, it, the problem is they just you. I love they a good GameStop employee there where I'm like, no, thanks. And they, they go, OK, it happens maybe once. <laughs> Any other time they're just like, I'm like, no, I'm good. Are you sure? Because X, yeah. Y, Z. And I'm like, dude, they don't relent. They, they stop just like one yeah. one time. Just now nah, yeah. I'm good. I'd be more inclined to spend it. spend money here if you did yeah. not fucking exactly me on the way out the door. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's one reason I never went there anymore. And now all the ones by me are gone. So I don't know what that says. There you go. Maddie, what about you? you got any sorted outs today? Um, this was actually going to be my original sorted out. It feels like a great week for it, Brad. Uh, Xbox, your messaging. This Ooh. is one in advance, actually, because as we're recording this, I put it in our little LSM server. Phil Spencer said, we're listening and we hear you. We've been planning a business update event for next week where we look forward to sharing more details with you about our vision for the future of Xbox. Stay tuned. Oh, nice little ominous Whoa. statement there for sure. That but, is ominous. <laughs> but yeah, Good right. Lord. Like not like, hey, guys, chill out. It's like, yeah. hey, <laughs> we'll talk next week. All right. Just be hysterical for a little bit longer. Um, messaging, man. If this is the direction that Xbox, which it seems all but confirmed, mm-hmm. um, that's pretty much Ben just said it as good as confirmation as any. Um, you need to make your messaging clear on what your future is, which, you know, it's not too late to start getting that right, because you have historically been bad at that. The way you handled the transition to $70 games, the way you handled the transition of trying to upcharge people with Xbox Live Gold and into, into Game Pass Core. Horrible from top to bottom. The way you communicated uh, the I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but uh, a smart delivery, which mm. everyone laughed at, by the way, but turned out to be one of your best features at launch compared to PlayStation was upcharging you and had you going through a million and one things to get your old save data. Like you are not good at communicating the best and worst about you. And you need if you are going whatever form you're going to be in this industry now, who knows? You need to do better and start figuring out that level of communication. And I'm not talking like what you try to do, which is this camouflage of open and transparent where Phil's talking about things that most CEOs don't talk about. Well, Sarah Bond's doing the same thing. And then you got Tim Stewart saying another thing, limit the lines of communication, make the messaging concise and clear. If that means you guys go full PlayStation in a sense where you don't talk much, but at least when you talk, we can take what you say to the bank and think about it critically and discuss it critically and understand it properly. Know what that means for your future platform or digital service. I who the hell knows. You need to start making that clear because it's it's been unacceptable for a while. But now when we're looking at this major Xbox one level turning point in your future as a as a a publisher or a platform holder, you've got to sort it out when it comes to your communication to both your longstanding fans. Some probably knew from Starfield who are likely pissed off they bought your box Um and those who are standing on the other side of the fence going, am I going to be waiting for your games for how long? Like, what's the plan here? You've, you've got to make it ironclad when you decide mm-hmm. to talk about this. Uh, even if it ends up taking longer, uh, you need to start communicating better moving forward because it's been bad and it shouldn't continue to be as bad as it is. Do you think the 
developer showcase they did would have been a good time to talk about some of that? Or do you think it should be separate? You know, it's tough, man, is is I don't know if there's a right time in this point in the generation. For bad news? No, there's never uh, a great time. We're talking about just like the trans, the potential transition away yes. from like platform. Holders. Yes. I don't know if there's, I say this not to be like evasive. I don't know if there's a right time outside of the beginning of a new generation, just because that's where the script is like the slate's clean. What's the vision moving forward? When you're three, four, entering your fourth year of the generation and you have this overnight pivot, like there isn't a good time to talk about that. Like you just got to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I don't know if taking the wind out of the sails of people with the developer direct was the right time. I don't know if doing it the week that, you know, you're already getting hammered for layoffs is the right time. Right. There isn't a right time. There never is, right? For something as serious as, as, as this, right? So it's, you know, again, I think the best point is like, okay, you've got the most out of this generation. You spent 520, 20, or 299, whatever it was, you know, with the Series S. You, you bought a console, you got your seven, six years, whatever it may be. And like, now here, here we are, like, this is what we're doing next. Um, that's the best point because then you can decide whether you want to invest. But if you've invested recently and you're looking at like, oh, you've bought all these studios, you just got Activision, like, yeah, I'm definitely getting an Xbox now. And then you just tell them in the middle of fucking February, like, yeah, guys. So like all these things we're getting, like, they're going to be over here too eventually. So you may as well have held onto your PlayStation. Like it just, uh, it's Mm. going to hurt them really bad if it's going the way we're expecting. And so I don't think there was a right time and again, again, I want to just emphasize for the listeners that we're saying this in this bubble, you know, February 5th, who knows what happens from now on. But, uh, you know, I don't think there's a right time to say it other than its own individual kind of event, if you will, State of the Union address, pretty much stating like what's happening with the future of Xbox. Yeah, uh, not to dogpile on Xbox because I'm about to, but in a different regard. Uh, so Final Fantasy 14 is coming to Xbox, which is great. There's a beta coming up. I know where you're going. However, you won't need to for the beta for when it actually comes out, though. You will need Game Pass Core to play this. And on PlayStation, you do not need Plus to play the game online. This is something they can fix and change. I think it would be ridiculous to make you pay for their online just when no one else does or has to, even in the same space, like console gaming. You can't do that. I don't know how big the Xbox audience is going to be already, but if you're just going to make it even harder and more expensive for people to play on your platform, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's not a good thing. Hopefully that's something they'll change and revert in some way, but I don't know. You got to sort that shit out. Can't have that happen. I agree. I agree. That's definitely been like the, the, the weirdest thing that's stayed long-term in, in console gaming, right? Is like these, yeah, needed subscription services to play online and then you look at steam <laughs> it's like yeah it's just like unbelievable <laughs> yeah it is unbelievable it just shows that we're all used to paying for it so therefore we should <sighs> yep all right uh thomas rice wrote in hello brad the wise one maddie the brave and powerful and dustin the man of many opinions i want to offer a sorted out sorted out sony I am honestly disappointed with all their efforts lately. It seems Sony has lost its luster and its imagination and has come content with its place at the top. Many of their games end up being remasters or remakes. It is very rare we see a new IP from the likes of Sony. Nothing excites me from the company anymore. What do you think, Summon Signers? Am I being too harsh on Sony or do you agree with my take? 
What say you? Um, I think you're being fair about it. For if you want like brand new first party bangers, I guess, you know, where you feel like we got in the old times. There hasn't been like a ton of, like there was some new IPs like Returnal I thought was fucking awesome. And that's first party now, but when I hear about, you know, the same games being like remade, especially when I like when until Dawn is like getting a remake, I'm like, dude, why are we doing this kind of thing? Like, why are we remaking and remastering these games again when it's still playable? It was a PS4 game. You can still play on your PS5. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like the, the last of us, I understand it makes sense. Tons of money, whatever. But it, it does feel like we need some new shit, especially when you brought up Insomniac earlier. It's like, it's all Marvel stuff, pretty much. Maybe one Ratchet and Clank game, which is great, but it's not new. So that kind of bums me out. But like, granted, we don't know what a lot of teams are doing still, which can lead to frustration from people. And I totally understand that. But um, yeah, it is kind of annoying. I do miss like small games like uh, Puppeteer, but those games don't sell. So I understand why they don't do them anymore, sadly. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it's like we're going to get another Uncharted, which is fine. But, you know, we're not getting anything crazy new. So I see what they're saying. Right. My, my thing always with that, you mentioned the, the games that didn't sell, Brad. I'm like, well, where were you for The Last Guardian? Where were you there. for everybody's golf? Where were yeah, you for oh, Gravity that was, Rush that game 2? Was awesome, man. They I tried. Yeah. Gravity Dude. Rush 2, Gravity Rush. Yeah, I love Which, to games. be fair, I didn't buy Gravity Rush 2. So I'm, I did. Part, of, I'm part of the I problem. Did. I did. I fucking I did. did. Um, but yeah, those games, I mean, they're, I mean, man, everybody's golf. So fucking good. Yeah, I'm everybody's so golf sad is really good. that that team got away and now they're making, I don't, they have that new, like the mobile, right. uh, the mobile version of it. I don't know if that's any good, but yeah, they just don't, uh, don't sell as well. And here's the thing to connect this back to the Xbox stuff, mm-hmm. this, and we'll, we'll get into this deeply this week. I'm sure that's the thing is that you've been enjoying complacent sony or if you've been hating complacent sony for this generation get ready for more settle in because it's gonna get worse (laughs) lack of the the competent dude and it was xbox i feel like was so close and i think that's probably the most painful part for the big xbox fans is like you're like right on the crest of the hill you can see the sun rising it's like oh man where everything is lined up and now just feels it must feel like it's all for nothing uh in a lot of ways so anyway that's not about sony but but uh yeah you gotta dude last guardian 2 uh that game was awesome and if you didn't like it yeah i like that game yeah 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 man i i dustin i actually have your exact thoughts in my notes for for the episode we're going to record this week just about how you know if you look at how playstation has behaved up until this point and that was with competition. That was, you know, to Xbox's credit for for the lack of new stuff, you know, in the terms of like big exclusives we got from them. Like you would get a, a Pentiment a Grounded, like you would get mm-hmm. Starfield, like you'd get these games that just didn't, at least they, they weren't perfect, but they didn't feel by the numbers. And I think what Thomas wrote in about also indicates how used to it people are with Nintendo. Because I think PlayStation's storming in that direction. Maybe they're not. Nintendo's not remaking everything, but Nintendo's re-releasing GameCube games and oh, Wii yeah. U games ad nauseum. Um, but I, I, I think people are so used to like, what's the next Mario game? What's the next Zelda game? I just 
you know, what's the next broken Pokemon game we're going to get? It, you know, and I just, <laughs> it is frustrating because the industry has grown so much that money is flowing into it so much that like you can't afford these, these big companies to just break out of that mold and say like, all right, let's explore and be brave. It's like, no, let's make another fucking Pokemon game. That's like hundreds of millions of dollars just sitting there. Let's just do it again. They, they look, look at the broken piece of shit they bought last time. Let's do it again. Uh, right. with, with PlayStation, it's like, oh, we're doing a movie. So let's like just, we got the blueprint, man. Let's just remake Until Dawn. Like, let's not yeah. even make a, I don't know if you could do a sequel for it really, but like, let's not do anything new with it. Let's just remake it. I just, um, I share, I share and that sorted out. Just I, a lot of people, I think when we did our crossover, Dustin thought I was like being really hard on PlayStation, but like, I don't really back down from that notion that I, I think PlayStation has been boring this generation and I, I want to love them and I'm not going to sit here and create this dream idea of like, oh man, you know, I bet they'll go back and start doing awesome experimental PS3 level exclusives. Like maybe those times have passed, but mm-hmm. like the writing was kind of on the wall when they started to walk away from their Japanese teams and focus more on the West. That was kind of like, to me, a big red flag that started to turn me off when they were like, yeah, like we're not really going to support games like Concrete Genie is when I always go to. I'm like, that was the last to me in my head, like weird, different thing that they did yeah. in a, in an exclusive capacity. And so that spoke to like their, you know, I, I thought of like PS2 games when I saw that title. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's it's unfortunate. It really is because I feel like that Japanese, that brave Japanese style development really complements their platform well. And to see them step away from it for like big AAA, the game, um, it's frustrating mm-hmm. as a longtime fan. Like I primarily gamed on PlayStation growing up. Like it's really sad to see. So I, yeah. I hope they they break the mold. They don't have to be making a new IP every year, but uh, to know that like Insomniac is the Marvel studio. Um, I love Marvel. I really do. But just like, why mm-hmm. man that is spoiled creativity right there like you're gonna make them make comic book games for the next decade that's not what i think we signed up for a couple of spider-man games sure but like everything spider-man everything marvel no yeah and it's like if you're gonna do a ton of games like that in a series like a ton of marvel games it helps if you have something to break it up yeah 100%. something new in between it so i don't mind if studios do that but i just think you need to break it up with stuff every now and then yeah uh hopefully um Team Asobi, the Astrobot people, got something good cooking. That's like the only Japanese studio I could think of, really. So hopefully, because Astrobot's awesome. Yes, love that so game. So hopefully they got something cooking great, but who knows when. Sony keeps everything close to the chest for now, so yeah. we will continue to wait. Thank God we got awesome third-party games out there and second-party games, at least, to help fill the void. All right, Kyosan wrote in. Hello, Brad and Dustin and some other guy. Damn, dude. Rude. What did I do? That is rude. Yeah, Maddie <laughs> didn't do anything. Kyle sound, dude, coming at you. Brad, welcome to the family, son. Sorted out late night entertainment edition. I thought this one was weird, so I picked it. Ever since the pandemic, I've noticed an ever-increasing trend of decreasing overnight entertainment, probably due to business re- realities. There's less opportunity to go out and meet people while enjoying various types of games. It could be anything from video games to hookah bar to billiards and entertainment center to even increasing closure of comedy clubs with improv. Additionally, gaming in various parts of the country actually means gambling in the marketing sense, but even casinos are closing aspects of entertainment too early in the evening, in my opinion. We need more options to go out and meet fellow enjoyers of various types of games especially at a time when social interaction is on the decline. 
So let us uh, use our hobbies to our advantage and try to make some initiatives in gaming and social settings while show or showing business that late night leisure is worth investing in. I remember days of social interaction with video games, board games, outdoor recreational games and sports where life is far more enjoyable than it is now. I am sure I'm not alone. Thanks and remain forever. Ultima Kyle, not Bossman. That's Mm. a different Kyle. Different Kyle. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so this guy wants like gaming in the social aspect and like just social interactions in general. I picked this because I don't think anyone's ever written in about something like this. Uh, Do you think stuff's closing truly for interaction stuff? Hmm. I feel like this is just purely from where I live, small town Pennsylvania, but there's actually been a huge explosion of that kind of stuff where dude, my, my, the comic book store does tons of different like Yu-Gi-Oh magic, the gathering stuff like that. There's now a board game and D and D like it's not a store, but like a, a center where you can go and they have like a cool like room that's like all decked out and candle lit and stuff like that. You can play D and D in tons of board games. That's pretty rare. And it's crazy that it's here in Butler, Pennsylvania, but I guess I could see that to some degree. But they want like late night stuff, I guess. Late night stuff. Yeah. Like how late are we talking here? Like 4 a.m. kind of thing? I don't know. Like, yeah. do you want a bar I'm open? a homebody. I'm a small town boy. I don't leave my house often. So I have bad for late night <laughs> entertainment options. But I do I do get the idea of like wanting wanting more social gaming options. You think about uh where we started with like land kind of forcing us to get together and right. you know party up. And like even my friends, like when that was you know, online gaming was a thing, we'd still have like sleepovers and just bring our 360s or whatever to each other's houses and like all play single player games together, which I guess doesn't make sense. But like that was a really fun part of growing up with video games. I feel like as we've gotten more connected online, it's like less and less of a need to. I had in my town growing up, um, there was this esports bar that opened up and I feel like that's the way they're trying to like connect people is like, oh, get into Barcade. esports. Yeah, not like a barcade, like a literal esports. Like, you know, like okay. in, I think Korea, South Korea has a yeah. lot of those where, like, you know, you can Cyber just, Cafe. Yeah, exactly. I, like, kind of almost like that, where you could show up and just go hard on like CSGO or something like that. Uh, I don't know who had the money to piss away to do that and where I grew up, but uh, that was something that was there. Otherwise, um, yeah, there's like the closest we got was play and trade. There was this, it was like this store that functioned like GameStop. You know, buy games used, buy them new, or trade them in, get some trade credit. But they also had like a play area. So you could like test before you play or people would just hang out and play games and then maybe end up buying them there. Um, and that, that was really cool. But yeah, it's just um, the social aspect. I think as we've, you know, grown more digital, it's just kind of faded away with gaming. Yeah. Less, I miss, yeah, I will say pandemic smushed. Like I played, a, you guys collect the One Piece card game, but I was playing the Dragon Ball card game from Bandai for uh years uh leading into the pandemic and and that smushed the local scene like they're doing a digital client that i think is coming out this month and i'm I'm cautiously optimistic about it i'm also a little scared because it might take my life away who knows but um you know like that is gone now and like i missed that like that was something i did every wednesday like that was a that was like my social outlet in a way i was like all right i gotta go see people like i gotta do something right and like i love this card game um so yeah i i, I miss a lot of that um, and i wish it was more prevalent nowadays 
Maybe we're not too right. far removed from that. I think it'll there'll always still be a place. For yeah. That. Uh, Carlson, I I guess it just depends where you live too. Like I imagine yeah. if you live in a big city, there's probably a lot more late night shenanigans going on you can get involved with. But some, I it's just hard to know from where you live, kind of thing. But I hope you find something that you can enjoy. All right, boys, keep it up. Time the exact opposite stuff we're pleased with. Who are we pleased with today, boys? Hmm. Mine was uh Valve and the Steam Deck. Oh. Just, oh, this okay. is fresh on my mind because I have the Steam yeah. Deck OLED recently in the last few weeks. And I've been impressed. I I realized uh, or I, I read the other day that there was some issue with Persona 3 Reload on Steam Deck that you couldn't control whether ray tracing was on and off and it was tanking it on Steam Deck. Something like that. I think Valve put out an update, a system level update within 24 or 48 hours fixing it. and. You see this pretty regularly that they are in tune with what people are playing and very proactive on trying to fix stuff and seeing also just where Steam Deck was uh, from the beginning uh, and how a lot of the reviews are like, this is cool, but it's not quite there's it's missing some stuff or it's not quite Mm -hmm. there yet. They turned that around real fast and made it like I would I don't know if it's a must have device for everybody but it's an easy recommendation and just seeing them continue to do these updates and stuff keep it up valve with the steam yeah i think i'd be more into steam deck down the line when they're not so fucking huge Mm. (laughs) they remind me of like you know like uh big boom boxes people used to carry and shit with them back in the day like ghetto blasters like it's the steam deck is just like a massive thing it's super cool and i get why it's huge I think I'll be more into when they can have a more slick form factor, I guess, down the line. But I don't game handheld anyways, so I'm not the target audience. But I know a lot of people love it, so that's great. Because, yeah, now they got like the ROG ally and all that stuff. Like, yeah, shit's popping off, dude. Well, and that's what's so interesting is that there are these other handhelds coming out that are more powerful, which and I think that some people will have that preference, but. In a lot of ways, the Steam Deck, despite being inferior in terms of power, people are still saying like, yeah, this is the best one. Despite that, it's because it, of the stuff they've done in software. OK, oh, yeah, I was wondering if it just like gets your library easier or stuff like interfaces better. Well, but a yeah. lot of it is to those like I know, Maddie, you have an, an ally, so I I've yeah. never used one. But running on Windows is like the biggest double edged sword in that yeah, it will janky. run more games and it may run them better, especially if your hardware is better, but the interface is not terrible. designed. It's terrible. That at all. Yeah. It's there's so many updates too that you got to do. And some games like you have to wait to start like there. You could feel with that device, how like the power is great, but the amount of time you have to wait sometimes for your games to fire up, uh, especially like through game pass um you know steam deck definitely has the edge on that like you press play and it's up in like a 10 second window uh yeah. with xbox like i remember i i our game pass i should say i tried to play um i tried to play starfield on my rog ally and it, it took like three minutes to boot up because it was like i guess Whoa. getting my old save or patching it was just it was ridiculous so yeah i, I have so many issues with my rog ally that i ever since the steam deck oled came around i was like yep yeah, this is this is the play like this is the move this thing is incredible like it's intuitive it's all built in works really well nice and quiet i love it 
So I'm with you, Dustin. I love that thing. <laughs> uh, Maddie, anything for you this week? Uh, I will say I got to send some love to the JRPG developers. Yes, sir. I, just in general, like a broad kind of love blanket here. Um, when I look at the games I've enjoyed throughout the year, I should just say Japanese game developers in general. I feel like as we were just kind of touching on a bit, I feel like there's a staggering lack of creativity and innovation in our Western games division right now. And it's starting to feel a little too samey for my liking. And the thing that's really held my interest in games, like I look at my taste when I was a little bit younger and like it was like, give me Bethesda games and give me these like new open world games. But there was because they were evolving and moving forward in ways I found purposeful and meaningful. But as the years have gone on, I feel they've stayed the same. And and these Japanese developers have really continued to move things forward like JRPGs. Uh, we'll talk about Grand Blue later. I found it really interesting how this didn't have to be this 80-hour extravaganza that you could finish mm-hmm. the story under 20 hours. I know that's not the main draw of the game, but like that's more of a classical kind of approach to how JRPGs used to be, and they focus most of their resources on end games. Like that's thinking differently about what your game can be and what's the draw, and 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 like what are your systems going to be built around. I think that's really exciting. I, I think of. This is more of a big budget example, but I think of like Tekken 8 and just how highly technical it is without forgetting the single player portion of it. Just so jam packed with content and customization options like you can just spend hours in that game. And it's it's awesome as like a traditional fighting game. It's awesome as a highly competitive fighting game. It's awesome as like a gathering friends around the TV style game. Um I talked, I've waxed poetic about Falcom a million times. I love that they're just making this continuous story spanning over 10 games where every other developer on the planet is scared shitless to do that. Uh, they're just doing bold things. And I appreciate that a lot as a person who's an enthusiast and plays a ton of games that uh, they're daring to do things differently. Elden Ring, of course, like a complete game changer in open world design and its layers and its danger and its character builds and its boss fights. It's incredible. It's a work of art. Um, and I just feel the the rest of the industry is getting fucking lapped twice over by these dudes and chicks. And it's it's awesome uh, to see because I'm just there for it. Like I am supporting all these games and they they just each time a new one's added to counter, even even the ridiculously named Unicorn Overlord. I'm like, yeah, give me that shit. Oh, like, let's hell do this. Yeah. Yeah, maybe work on the naming conventions. Maybe that would be a good sorted <laughs> out. But, you know, with the, the project, what was it? Uh, project Triangle Strategy or whatever. Yes. It, I love Triangle Strategy. Awful name. Um, but yeah, like otherwise, <laughs> I think they are just doing weird, creative, fun, out of the box things. Um, and while some of the art styles draw a little too similar for my liking, I think they do a lot on the gameplay and story front that's really I, lifting up their games above any others right now. Uh, and it's funny because I used to like in, high school be like very anti jrpg believe it or not like i it wasn't until 13 2 final fantasy 13 2 oh. broke the mold for me yeah because uh, i i was stupid like i, I played kingdom hearts and enjoyed that but uh, like that didn't because i liked it it didn't register like, i would still make fun of weebs but i played 13 2 i was like this shit's <laughs> awesome out of all games i'm like this is amazing and so i just went off from there so yeah man it's it's been amazing nice. to just see the growth continuously since then yeah it seems like japanese games are back in the swing of things compared Absolutely. to some past generations we've been through. Absolutely. So it's pretty rough for a while, particularly there were still great games, but like the PS3 era and 360 era was 
going from the PS2 to that was night and day. Amazing. Uh, My sort of, or my keep it up, this will be the last one because they are now no longer around, is for Tokyo RPG Factory. I really liked this little team. I liked the games they made. They're not like incredible games by any means, but I had fun with all of them. I played through all of them. I did like this studio. I'm sad to see them go, but just one last keep it up for them before they head off into the sunset. Hopefully they just get, they do some other cool stuff in Square and somewhere else. Those devs. Yeah. All right. We got one from Adrian Pinter. Hey, gents. I just want to say, keep it up, Sony. I think the way they are holding their cards close to their chest could be seen as frustrating as a frustrating situation. But after a high quality, after the high quality of the most recent state of play, it is evident that it is the right choice. I don't think I need or want information sprinkled to me in unexpected ways. I'd much prefer they come out swinging every once in a while with a banger of a state of play. Thank you for all the content, and I wish you all a blessed week. Mm. Mm. Two sides so of the like, coin here. Yeah, they like, uh, yeah, they like holding close to chest. I think that can be fun, too. But I feel like selfishly, we as people are super into games want to know what's going on because we don't hear anything for like four, five years. Mm-hmm. Like, what, what are you doing, Sucker Punch? What's going on, dude? But um, yeah, I think it is cool when games come out and they're like, hey, it comes out in a year or something like that. I prefer that more than just announcing a game and being like, see you in five years kind of thing like that. Like uh, Fable, you know, it's like here it is or Hellblade 2. Here it is. It's like, all right, well, let's just keep waiting. It's cool to know it exists, but I don't know. I guess there's pros and cons to both. I feel like games are more driven by excitement than any other medium. So I feel like you got to tap into that. If you can like say, hey, this is coming in the next five months, that might sell better for you than something you've marketed for five years. It probably save you a lot of money in the meantime, too. Definitely. Yeah, I like Capcom. They usually do stuff like that. Yeah, it feels like when they show something, it's usually a year away about. Yeah, never. That I, would, much I would argue that's the best thing Bethesda did for the industry is when everyone was kind of stuck in that like year mold, year two mm-hmm. kind of marketing mold. And they, they put Fallout 4 out in like six months after its announcement officially. Like yeah, that was that was cool. That was kind of like the start of people doing those shorter windows. We still get sometimes the long windows, but I feel like they kind of served as a meaningful change, even though the game itself didn't serve as meaningful change for the industry. I think the way it was marketed did and probably for the better. Yeah, I think so. I, I totally agree with you on that. That was really hype. And they're like, Ian, it's yeah. out this fall. And oh, you're my like, God. Oh, so damn. Excited. Don't we got to wait that long. I'll always remember that moment. I was out of my fucking chair. I was <laughs> losing it. Couldn't believe it. Uh, Davy Supel wrote in. What's up to the three bad boys with the Z of the gaming world? I want to give my keep it up to Dustin. I love hearing updates on his journey into health. And as a man who has lost 60 pounds of weight myself, Hell yeah. I want to send some encouragement for him to keep it up. I want listeners out there to know it's possible, despite how hard it might seem. Believe me, once you just start doing some form of exercise, you realize you gain muscle before you see weight loss. You will want to continue. Something as simple as having your shirts fit better was enough for me to continue. Love the show, Brad, and all love thing and love all things LSM, including defining Duke. Uh, hell yeah, Davey. We love to see Dustin doing well out there, working out. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank Watching you. Watching those those calories. 
it really has become uh, like a, a kind of a game to me in some ways where yeah. it is hard to start. But then when you start to see progress, it's like, ooh, OK, like how many yeah, uh, how many ounces are going off today? Like, is it you know, is and then like seeing it on the bar graph because I use my fitness pal so I can like see it go down. I'm like, OK, right. it, it becomes a. Uh, uh, it doesn't make it easier, but it makes it more interesting, I yeah. guess, to sure. to do yeah. that. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. once you get it's the hardest part is getting it going, I think, yeah. you know, because it sucks changing your lifestyle, whether it's eating or exercise or whatever. And I'm not even doing that much exercise, really. But uh, I knew I wasn't going to be able to just immediately start working out because I hate it. I hate mm-hmm. working out. I wish I liked it. I don't. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you. And shout out Davey for losing 60 plus yeah. pounds. That's, That's impressive, awesome. Davey. Hell yeah, dude. Good for him. All right, everybody. Next on the list. Uh, an RPG we all been playing. Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. A long in development game. Finally out. We got to play quite a bit of it. Uh, Dustin, I know you've played more than I have. Maddie, I don't know how much you've played of this game. Zero? Okay. Zero. 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 Okay. Chose Persona 3. I did. Understandably, though. <laughs> Business decision here. Yeah, yeah. understandably. <laughs> no question it is about on it. The, it is going to get played this year, no doubt. But yeah, since, the, since the next couple months look kind of open, I'm like, all right, I'm comfortable delaying this a little bit. Oh, yeah. You're not like missing story or anything like that. Yeah. Dustin, we've played together, especially in co-op. We've had mm-hmm. some fun. Uh, tell me about your experience with Grand Blue overall so far. Yeah. So I'll start with the positive in that I think the combat in this game is really fun and mm-hmm. also really engaging in the amount of different ways that you can play it, the types of characters that you can play as. So for anyone who doesn't know about this game, it's kind of a hybrid of like Tales games. There's mm-hmm. people have been saying Monster Hunter, but I don't I don't not really so sure other than that there's just like some bosses that are big and are tanky so there's a little bit of that i guess in there but uh one of the big things about this game is just that the the sheer amount of playable characters that you can choose to play as and how varied i would say each of them are which there is kind of like a set type like there's the sword wielders or i guess you could say melee there's magic and then there's also people that have like more range, like guns and stuff like that. And as you play as each of these characters, you can level them up in interesting ways. There's really extensive skill trees that you really can kind of hone them in into the type of character you'd want them to play as. So you could choose to do more of the lines that have more health or more attack. Maybe you want to make them more of a tanky type character. That's an option. Um, so. There's a lot of customization in the choice of how you want to play the game. Um, in terms of let's talk about the, the actual like the single player story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story is not really that interesting overall. Right. It has the, pro- the problem in that when I started playing this game, so it's part it's it's a grand blue fantasy game, which was originally a mobile game. They did the fighting game. There's an anime. And when I started playing it, it reminded me of the beginning of One Piece Odyssey 
in that they'll kind of set you up and they'll do they'll tell you a little bit about different things, but you have very little context for the overall world in the the mission, which is funny, too, that it's I compared it to One Piece because overall Grand Blue kind of reminds me of the world of One Piece, where there are these sky fairs that go around from island to island. They're trying to get to this big secret island at the end of the sky. I'm like, oh, just like uh Yep. It's like our boy Monkey D. Luffy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the only difference, I would say the main difference is that when you play One Piece Odyssey, you can immediately tell the characters are interesting in One Piece. Whereas uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure the characters are all that interesting in this game to the point where I'm good with tropiness to some degree. But I don't know if there's that much that defines these characters outside of their set tropes you know mm. um so i uh i'm glad the story is not very long i think i'm already over halfway through it i think it takes 10 to 15 hours to beat depending on your your pace but it feels uh very formulaic too in the the story and that you're on you go to different islands you progress go to point a from point a to point b there will be some bosses mixed in there. And uh, that's kind of, a, I mean, I don't want to say about it, but yeah. there's like, there's certain side quests that you can pick up from totally faceless, not actual characters that's just like, hey, I need three wolf claws. Can you get those for me? And it's like, cool, I'll pick this up and maybe I'll pick them up when I play, but maybe. I just don't really care because they're not like they're not true side quests that you think of like, oh, this is going to be an interesting scenario. That's different from the side, the whole no, the main yeah. mission. It's like they're no, it's just very basic MMO fetch quests. Right. And that's mm. the thing that I think is at the core of this game is that it it's not it's kind of a gotcha game and it's kind of not at the same time. I could see an alternate version of this game that is maybe 20 or 30 bucks and you have your main cast and then you can unlock a few more through these character cards you get and then the rest you pay for or their their gotcha type stuff kind of like Genshin Impact or something like that there's definitely a lot of those elements there's a million currencies when you want to upgrade differently mm-hmm. there's like certain currencies for upgrading weapons there's certain currencies for other stuff that you're like man I am I am lost in the sauce in all these different items it's it's strange when when you and i were playing red i was like does this game this game feels like it should have microtransactions and i don't think no i don't think it does i I haven't seen any currently yeah the only thing i saw was like skins like color palettes swaps that's about it that's what i saw right but you can't like buy currency or whatever yeah yeah exactly the thing that i'm currently most interested in in this game is more so about the end game and the higher level stuff, because the story is pretty easy. Uh, in fact, I would say it's very easy overall. There's yeah. a couple bosses that maybe feel a little spongy, but I never. I don't know if I've actually died, <laughs> like fully died and hit an end game mm-hmm. while playing this game so far. And I can see elements of things that I'm like this might be really cool if the game was hard, particularly in its 
multiplayer. So to explain that real quick is that the main story is all single player. You can't play a multiplayer. You can't play a co-op in your your like hub town. There is a mission counter and you can choose to go online. And that's when you can either match make or you can invite your friend in. That's how Brad and I played, invited him in. And then we can take on all these different missions and the missions, at least at the beginning, they're either fight this enemy horde, fight this boss or travel a little bit across this map and fight enemies. It's all really cookie cutter overall. Uh But what I think could be interesting in the end game is that I mentioned earlier about how the characters are. You could definitely set up a situation where, okay, I'm the healer, I'm the tank, I'm the DPS. How do we play strategically? What characters are you going to play as? Uh, More strategic overall in in its combat, because right now and, and everything you and I played, Brad, was just like, okay, you can just kind of. For the most part, go in, button mash, cycle through your abilities, wait for them to refresh, do it again, mm-hmm. pull your alt, and win, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I wonder just when it, if, when you do get to that end game and you start getting to that harder level stuff, I'm like, dude, this could be cool if you're like, okay, this guy's our tank guy. He's leveled up this tank character. He knows what he needs to do. I need to hang back and make sure everyone's healed and put on like light DPS with range, stuff like that. That's where I see there. I'm like, man, there's a thread that could be really cool, but I'm not. I'm only seeing it as far as like a vision based on the combat, not from anything that I'm actually experiencing in the game. Mm -hmm. So I'm really wondering about that. But I will say overall, I guess I've been pretty negative in some ways in terms of the story and stuff, but I I wouldn't say I'm having a bad time at all. It's uh the combat continues to be fun. And as I level up characters, I like figuring out the new abilities and it looks beautiful. It, it runs great. It's just, I don't feel like I'm connected to anything that's pushing me through the story other than save this person, uh, which is you know, very loose. I won't I won't get into spoilers. Not that I think they would really matter, but you're on a mission to save somebody and they kind of tell you this special connection you have with this person. But it makes a lot of sense that they released the anime for free or a large portion of it on YouTube before this game came out. And even just watch it. I think I watched the first two episodes. I was like, oh, a lot of good context for what's going on in this world. Oh. Um, so overall, I am going to finish it, uh, especially because it's so short and I kind of want to get a taste of that, that end game stuff and see if what I'm looking for is there. But I honestly don't really know <laughs> what that's like, just because uh, like I said, it's not super present. There's not really that level of strategy. It's kind of just go and right. let her rip uh, for yeah. each battle at least right but, now yeah, yeah at least right now um i will say i agree with you on the campaign dustin it's just kind of whatever going through yeah. it, the story also i don't really know what the fuck's happening or really care about anyone i'm sure if i had the context of the anime that'd probably help a lot but i mean it's not bad or anything like that it's nothing special that i'll say that it's just kind of feels pretty by the numbers i guess 
Uh, I will say the boss fights are pretty cool, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, like there was this uh, frost wolf kind of thing. He would teleport around really fast and he have different phases where he would like put on armor so you couldn't like do as much damage to him and he would do like crazy ice attacks. You'd have to hide behind stuff. So I like a lot of that stuff. I brought it every time, but all these fights remind me of obviously 14 boss fights a lot. So mm. I think they're pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, like I like the missions dust where we fought like that wind monster or whatever. And you got yeah. sucked up in the wind and like <laughs> fucking died and got shot out. Yeah, that was fun. But um, yeah, I think the boss fights are the strength of the game to me, honestly. And of course, the gameplay is cool. The characters all play pretty different. There's something to like about them all. Like the guy I play Siegfried. He's all about like rhythm attacks, kind of like Hi-Fi Rush. If you get a nice rhythm, he'll do more damage and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So I think that's fun. Uh, I'm super curious about the end game to see what people are saying is so great about it. Because I, I don't see it quite yet. Unless like it's just like completely different, which it could totally right. be like that could be like the main thing of the game. But I think it's a fun game. I'm having a good time playing it. It's not going to like set the world on fire. I think like you got to play this kind of game, but it's fun. I think it's. Yeah. Fun. Two other notes I had. I'm curious what you think, Brad, is that the first one is that I put combat is really fun, but I'm kind of confused how I should level up. This was a conversation mm. we had when playing because we had totally different strategies where I had kind of picked my team to play through the main campaign. And yeah. so your your character level up for like abilities and their skill trees, you, the currency for that is shared amongst all characters. So I was going through and leveling up all four of my team to kind of keep them around the same level as I played. Mm-hmm. And when I played with you, you had just like I you were like, I sunk everything into the guy I played as because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm further than you in this game and you're more powerful than me. How does that make sense? Yeah. And so I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Should I be focusing on just who I want to play as? And then what I find a little frustrating about that is just that it makes trying out new characters harder in that. Yeah. I've already invested so much into this one character and now the it the cost to, to switch over is going to be a lot higher. It kind of reminds me of playing like Elden Ring or any Dark Souls game where it's like, OK, I've committed to this weapon. I have put so many resources into it and now I've got cool new weapons, but I don't necessarily want to go through all the effort of yeah. upgrading it all the way, especially if I don't know it looks cool but I don't know how much I'm really going to enjoy it. So I'm just going to stick with what I have. Yeah. I think for the difficulty of the game, like honestly, I'm playing on the hardest difficulty available and the game's still very, very easy. Mm-hmm. I think you can afford to kind of experiment and be okay. And I think the end game, they're just going to give you a lot probably. So you could really experiment, but it's just like, if you want to experiment a lot when you're going through it, it can be frustrating, I guess, because you always feel like you'll be weak, weaker mm-hmm. with whatever character you like. But hopefully that's something that will bounce out in the end. It, it reminds me of like Final Fantasy 12, you know, you're only getting whatever XP with who you're playing with. So you have to decide if you want to do your whole party or just like three people at a time kind of thing. Yeah. And you mentioned, too, about the boss fights. I, I also read that it's like it, it feels ambitious and unambitious at the same Mm -hmm. time where the standard format of the level feels pretty cookie cutter uh, where you're going from point a to b killing guys but then some of these bosses there's a boss uh where you 
I'll just say you fight a very large enemy, uh, almost Shadow of the Colossus style. And you have to like jump up and kind of platform to get to higher levels. And then there are sequences where I would expect the game to take control for me, where the characters like run across this bridge. It's like collapsing or something like that. But it doesn't. And Mm. it feels really climactic and cool where I'm like, whoa, this is a, a section where I would expect to not have control. But they do give you control and it makes it feel so cool. Like you're really part of the action. And that I'm like, whoa, this is. This is pretty neat. I like this. But then again, then you like go back to the beginning of the next level. And it's like, OK, well, here's this process again with maybe a few little variations. But it's a uh, it's weird. It makes me wonder, too. We were talking about this on Sacred a little bit. Why? What about this game took so long? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Platinum was of all involved initially before they were then uh, either removed or got themselves off the project. I don't know what happened there. And then I wonder if things kind of restarted from that point. But even then Colin pointed out platinum was like four or five years ago that they got taken off the project. So even then this game has had an extremely long development cycle. And I just don't know where, what all that went into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, One more quick complaint. I have is um I mean it's cool but I it's kind of boring there's parts in the game where you can like learn more about the characters through menus <laughs> like yeah. these little tabs you can like do these like character quests almost essentially and it's you can learn more about them you get stats so it's worth doing but it's just like really boring just text I mean it's narrated by the character which is cool but it's just kind of like really boring text mm. but you get good stats by doing it. There's occasionally side quests you'll do with them, but they're all pretty, you know, the same thing you've been doing the whole time. Hmm. So they're just whatever, but I'm happy they give you more context for these characters, but it's just kind of boring. I would say. Why do they deliver in that manner? I mean, do you guys have any idea? Like why, why do they choose to put the character bios in the, in the, in the menu, Dustin, you mentioned like you had more context thanks to the anime. Like what is the story? Do you guys think miss or the characters miss that makes it such a, like it could be a great story. It sounds like, but it's just like, you're kind of there for, for the gameplay. Well, I would say a lot of it is I just didn't know what was going on. Really. I didn't have attachment to any of the characters. And like a lot of the characters you unlock and play as they're like not in the campaign that I've ever seen. They're just there because I am playing as them. I haven't seen them organically mm. come into the story or anything like that. So you're just like, okay, I don't know anything that about this a guy. lot. Like, uh, I don't know if you guys ever tried the attack on Titan two game where mm. you have like the story mode, you create your own character and you gradually unlock other playable members of the cast. And there's like a whole other section of the cast that's just available in this, like another story mode. And, and it's like all online and there's tons and tons of missions you can run. Like it sounds like a similar framework to that, which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that game. I think the AOT games are sick, but uh, I'm curious if Grand Blue will scratch a particular itch for me. Because the way you guys are describing it, it sounds like the story kind of sucks, but that there's something there that's kind of like captivating. And yeah. It sounds like it's the gameplay. Like the gameplay is fun. And I would say mm-hmm. that's probably what's keeping us there. Yeah. yeah. It I, As far as the character, I, I want to be fair about this because I'm thinking, again, to bring things back to One Piece, if... Mm-hmm. You're playing One Piece Odyssey. I think about a character like Robin. You don't know who she is or her backstory. The only thing cool about her is her ability. Right. Especially if you are only seeing her in the context of 
uh, a game that isn't really it's sort of canon, but not really canon. It's like, okay, well, I have no attachment to her or her story or anything. So I just she's just this another person on their crew. Right. So I want to be fair to Grand Blue. Like there's a you get a little bit. There's the guy like the older guy on the crew. And they talk. He talks a little bit like he has like war stories. And like immediately when you get to the first town, he like is going to the bar to get a drink. And I'm like, what's going on with this dude? Like what? What kind of fucked up shit has he seen? What has he been through? And now Mm. he's with this crew, people way younger than him on this mission. And it it seems like it would be interesting. But the purpose of this game isn't to tell his story. It's to tell a story that this crew is on that's already established. So arguably, some of that is on us as people jumping into a game that's already part of an established series. but. There is a better way to bring you up to speed than character voiced backstories with a single JPEG behind them that take five minutes to just sit and listen to. You know what I mean? So, so you can't even like activate them and then run around and like complete a mission while you're listening. No. Yeah. That's like a little feature that I would have made all the difference. I feel. Yeah. So. Oh, if we want to get really nitpicky, Brad, I, I I wonder if you've noticed this. There's a couple times where you'll start boss battles, and so all your characters are like, huh, huh, like putting out their like saying their 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 the, yeah. the 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 move name, but at the same time, the characters are having a dialogue about the situation. Oh yeah, at the same yeah. time, and I'm like, what are you guys doing? You're in the middle of potentially dying in a fight, and you're like, oh, I think this person might be really powerful. I think maybe we should attack this way, and it's like this whole string of dialogue that's happening while you're fighting. I'm like, maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, Wesley Allison wrote in, Hey, all for years, I've attempted to play JRPGs and end up quitting halfway through due to becoming boring slash bloated. No JRPG has overcome this for me. Does Grand Blue have this issue? And are there any genres you guys have given up on after years of trying? Thanks. Uh, Wesley, this is not the game for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you probably won't enjoy this. If you haven't been able to get through any JRPG, I don't know if Grand Blue is necessarily the one, unless you just like the combat so much. Cause right. I don't think the story is going to do it for you. Well, I guess arguably it's not that long. Uh, for example, if I was as far as I am in the game, or let's say if I put five hours, five to 10 hours in, it's like, oh, you've got another 60 to go. I would be out on this game, mm-hmm. I think. But the fact that it's that I'm already over halfway through, I'm like, OK, well, it doesn't it's maybe a little boring, but I don't feel bloated or weighed down by right. like, oh, man, there's I'm I'm moving at a snail's pace through I this. I think I just think that if they haven't been able to get through any JRPG, due to it being boring or bloated, I just don't think this is going to check any of the boxes from, even if it's not bloated. I think the boring part might be the killer for them. But you never know. There's a demo you could try. Yeah. And here's the thing, Wesley, what JRPGs are you playing that you can't get through? Like, maybe we need to give a recommendation to this guy that if he's like, I'm trying to think what is the most interesting and non bloated JRPG? That's what I was just rattling my brain about. I'm like, they're all fucking long, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it depends, um, like, 
I think Chrono Trigger is very brief and it's not a long game compared to a lot yeah. of other ones and it's very simple. But, you know, it's an old game, so I don't know if that'll be for everybody. It's a Super I... Nintendo game. I'm trying to think of a, a JRPG with like more Western sensibilities because I feel like I think of anime, right? And like a mm-hmm. lot of anime that gets people into it is the ones that like don't appeal to the tropes more so, but like break right. bears. Like I was just talking about Attack on Titan. I think that's one that just like ditches a lot of preconceived notions about anime and just tells like a really interesting story. And that's why I think it pulled so many people into anime uh, for the gaming equivalent of that. I really think it's like Final Fantasy seven remake. Like, I don't think it's too long. Like you're talking 30 hours for the at least the original rebirth seems like a whole different story. You've got this more action focused combat system, a little bit of turn based energy sprinkled into it. Like if we're making a recommendation on a JRPG to kind of like get you through it, that's not bloated. I think seven remake is perfect in that regard. Um, you know, I wouldn't know about Grand Blue personally, but if this hasn't been attempted yet, I really think it should be one on your radar, uh, Wesley, just because I feel like, you know, that's one that you can definitely get through and the story is interesting. You also kind of have the energy of like, and if I'm really like this, I got Rebirth right around the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, Rebirth I've seen is apparently like over 100 hours long with all the side content. Ooh. So like, you're not going to get that bloated part out of out of Rebirth. But, um, you know, at least you can have with Remake something a little more palatable. That's how yeah. I put it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, Rebirth, I would say is, or sorry, Remake is pretty short. Well, it's not like super short, but it's a more manageable length for sure. And I think yeah. it has a lot of the higher budget kind of stuff that's appealing. The combat's really fun. It's action-y with little oh, yeah. turn-based stuff. Yeah, and like Matt, Maddie said, just like Rebirth's on the horizon. So it's a good time to try it. And um, yeah, that would be mine. I know there's some filler Dustin doesn't like in it, which I think is totally fair, but it's nowhere near as bad as some other games, I would say. Nowhere near. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, let's talk about Silent Hill, the short message. Ooh. I think it was the message or the short message. Uh, this was in the state of play. It was just released. Nice little shadow drop. Love to see it. This is the the newest Silent Hill game. Dustin and I both played it. I don't. You didn't finish it, though, right, Dustin? No. Okay, yeah. So that'll <laughs> tell you Dustin's impressions of it. <laughs> uh, this game does cost something. You know, it may time. be free on the PlayStation Store, but it will cost you your time. It's your current, and your yeah. time is more the valuable. Ultimate, yeah, the ultimate currency, <laughs> time. But uh, I'll let you take it away, Brad. Yeah, I'll just say. So I did play through all of it. It's like two hours. It's not very long. Uh, it revolves around, which I think is an interesting, interesting concept. There's a lot, a lot of like social media stuff tying into it, like people dealing with the pressures of social media, like dealing with likes, like teenage girls dealing with all that. I thought it was pretty interesting. The idea of it. But I think some of the execution is just kind of bland and not super creative. I think a, a big problem this game had going up with it is people remember PT. And when this comes out, they think PT in a lot of ways, you know, because that was a Silent Hills project technically. But the, the big thing is that was a Kojima game. And this is not a Kojima game. It doesn't have all the crazy shit that or very interesting shit a Kojima game has. And I think that is definitely missing. There's not like a lot of cool, weird shit happening. Most of the game is you reading just like little text things, like figuring more out about about these characters and running from a monster in these kind of goofy segments that are 
very hit or miss, I would say, or much more likely to miss than hit. The monster looks cool, though. I will say that it's like this weird freak lady with like uh, cherry blossoms all over. She looks really cool. But yeah, you're in this abandoned building that is like a, a hot spot of suicide for younger kids like that. And that ties into all the story. And um, I think it's OK. I don't think it's amazing. I think a lot of people are going to be bored like Dustin was bored when I was playing it. I expected it to be. OK, so here's my thing with Silent Hill. My Silent Hill expectations are usually pretty low, even when it was still around. Like, I like Silent Hill 1, 2, and 3, but all the other ones I played after that, I really didn't care for. I know a lot of people like Shadow Memories. I did not enjoy that game. So Silent Hill always has ups and downs for me. So I wasn't, like, expecting too much from this. But I was happy they put out something free, and I got to play it for Silent Hill. It felt like a weird time to release it, because I'm just like, well, it'd been cool if you did this when 2 was maybe close to coming out, I guess. It's just kind of random right here. There's like nothing, no synergy, no nothing. Maybe synergy with that terrible fucking mobile game, whatever the hell it is. Just feels like they're kicking the tires. Like, hey, does anyone give a fuck about this thing anymore? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Here. Uh, Dustin, let's hear your thoughts about it. Scathing. Yeah, scathing. Um, there's so many things I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't like. I mean, I, where to where to begin? Um. So Let's talk about the, the premise, did you like the premise? The premise, I understand what they were trying to do. And in fact, I think they made like a, one of the, the either director or someone, the game, the company that made it uh, not Konami, but like the individual developer, which I don't remember who it is. Right. Saying like they wanted to make a Silent Hill experience that was geared towards a younger audience dealing with more modern issues. And mm-hmm. I think that that is an interesting take and to be honest i'm not super acquainted with silent hill as a series overall the only one that i've fully played is silent hill one uh for the I original played two i started it and then something came out uh oh, okay. so i didn't get to uh finish it. it but and i think at some point i was hoping i was like oh maybe the remake i'll just play that but <laughs> that's not looking like necessarily a good option <laughs> but we'll see on that one but I think it's a neat idea. I just felt like the way the characters were written and the delivery of it often just came off as kind of annoying at a lot of points. And I think uh, so you mentioned about, you know, the game deals with a lot of suicide related Mm -hmm. stuff. And this is something um, I went into on depth on, on sacred, but it gives you a warning at the beginning. It's like, hey, this deals with suicide. Right. Here's this big paragraph. Here's the suicide hotline. Here's a website you can go to. I was like, okay, cool. That's a good thing to put at the beginning of the game. And then they put it in the game like three times. Yeah, they do it like it, it's like there's like loot points or essentially and they do it every time. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing in terms of it's weird because I don't want to be hard on the gameplay because it's not really a gameplay game. But mm-hmm. then when they do try to implement gameplay, it's just annoying. You mentioned the monster that is chasing you around, which it's like there's these short sections where you're running through different hallways and you might need to make a small loop in order yeah. to to get past where you're going. 
where I ended up stopping the game, which I was playing it when. Uh, so this was last week, I think, when Duke when So, Maddie, you guys had recorded a little Wednesday. later. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to sink in and try to beat this game uh, before Duke is done. And I was really frustrated with this. I think it's the last chase sequence. The last chase sequence. Yeah, it's long. It's long and it's confusing. You have no idea where you're going. You have, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's like 10 frames a second at certain points. And then Matt, I got the message from Maddie that Duke was done. And for a second, I'm like, I could keep going and just I have the like sunk cost fallacy that I should just finish this. I was like, no, <laughs> no, I'm yeah. just I'm just good. At, at this point where <laughs> I'm so annoyed by this, this chase sequence uh, just, and I don't, the, the other thing too is like, what is the point of this in the, in the grand scheme of reviving silent Hill? I don't know. What is the point? Yeah. Like, you know what? Someone wrote in about this. Yeah, please. Hey, my summoning slitters. It's not oh. sacred symbols. So I think I'm safe. You are safe. What do you think the purpose is of Konami putting something out like Silent Hill the short message? It's a free game, so no money. We have no release date for Silent Hill 2, so I'm not it's not exactly for promo reasons either. So my question is, why? So we don't know. <laughs> I maybe it's just been done and they're like, uh, just put it out or something. I don't know. When I saw the trailer at the state of play, I they very specifically showed the the spookiest parts. Yes. And I think, I don't know. To me, it gave me this impression of like, Hey, remember when there was silent Hills and we gave you a free demo? Yes. And how cool it was. Well, what if we gave you something kind of like that in first person? Maybe this is like, which again, this doesn't answer the question of why it's just what felt like the pitch kind of was that was like, Whoa, there's going to mm-hmm. be these crazy looping segments. And every time it gets creepier and, and weirder, and then, but, but again, like as far as it being a promo for Silent Hill 2 or even just a promo to get people more interested, it's like, man, this wasn't it, especially after right. they already did that weird streaming game yes. that everyone universally agreed was terrible. It's like, mm. okay, so now you're doing this and you showed Silent Hill 2, which didn't look very good. I, I really don't know. Cass, what the uh, what the situation is? Yeah, I don't understand it. I don't know what the point of it was. But um, let's hear from Logan or Logan from Memory Card. Halo or hello, you summoned few. I see Silent Hill. Short, the short message is on the list of games this episode. I played it the day it launched and was expecting to be let down by yet another Silent Hill game. But I must say, I really enjoyed it. The writing is a little heavy handed and the chase sections feel very 2010s horror, but it feels like Hexadrive, I guess the developer really tried to bring some fresh ideas to the table. It has me excited to see more Silent Hill F. Oh, yeah, that's like the major one that looks cool. What do you guys think of this free mini Silent Hill experience? And what kind of background do you guys have with the franchise? Do you have a favorite in the series? Thanks for all the great content. I can't wait for the episode. Uh, we talked about some of that, like our history with it. Um, so the thing is, you said the writing is a little heavy hand and the chase sec- sections feel very 2000 horror. That's like the whole game. That's like all of the game, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Dustin, the last chase sequence, I realized it because I was streaming it. My chat was like, hey, if you look at like your walkie talkie or your phone, 
you know, because you have to find photos or whatever, mm-hmm. it'll let you know because the photo will start to appear on your phone. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. But it still was very confusing to run through areas. And it annoyed me, Dustin, because you'd open doors and they, they they would shut automatically. So I like didn't know where I had been a lot of times when I was right. running these sections. Yeah. It uh those chase sections, man. I and it, dude, I mentioned the frame rate earlier too, mm-hmm. which again, I'm it's a free thing they put out, but it's weird because certain sections, it's like, okay, this isn't be taxing the the console very much and it's running pretty well and then you'll get into these weird chase sections and this happens to me so rare now that it actually kind of made me motion sick certain parts of the game i was like i kind of feel a little gross from (laughs) from playing this a little grody brad i thought of something else i wanted to ask what you thought of yes they add in these live action sequences into the game where you see (laughs) the one character that's one of the main characters you're you're trying to find or whatever throughout it and so the game takes place in in germany i believe because there's all these books and i think they mention in some of the text you pick up that they're in germany but then there is videos of a girl a japanese girl Mm -hmm. and they're dubbed in english yes Yes. i'm like so a game set in germany the Japanese girl who I'm assuming is speaking Japanese and then dubbed in English. It's just, yes, I hate, I hate live action dubs to the, like they, I can, I just, I can only see the fact that I'm like, Oh, someone's their lips aren't matching up. I was like, what is going What? Yeah. To me, I guess if this is a Japanese studio that made this, it probably would have just been a better idea to base it in Japan. Yeah. But I don't know if they did that because or didn't do that because Sun Hill F seems like it's going to be in Japan. Mm. Maybe they don't want to like cover that territory or I don't know, whatever the reason was. But yes, it was goofy. I kind of expect goofy shit like that from Silent Hill. So it didn't bother me too much. But yes, I could definitely see that being annoying. Absolutely. Uh, one last question. Uh, this has to be a, sh- a Snark Tank fan. OK, because this name shot Uncle Ben. Shapiro, let's say hypothetically, I was shot by a criminal you choose not to apprehend, Peter. That's the guy's name. That's the name. Yeah. That's the name. So uh, yeah. I feel like, you know, they try to be creative, but I don't know if it was that funny. I think that's like a total Chris Bate one because he loves Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> shot but ben, Shapiro. ben Shapiro. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. But Peter apprehending the criminal. It, it's over our head, dude. <laughs> Hey guys, I gotta say that despite having mixed of ex- having or how mixed of experience Silent Hill, the short message was I am very fascinated by the focus on social media and how deeply it can affect mental health. Thoughts? Keep up the great work. I actually did like a lot of it was done through text, Dustin. I thought that was pretty cool, actually, and like something yeah. that modern things would do instead of like a tape recorder or some shit like that or, or written notes. Even though there are written notes, but I was happy a lot of the the character exchanges that were done through text. I think it's a cool premise, but just pretty, just sloppy in some execution. Yeah. And I was wondering, Brad, if there's a disconnect for us since we're older. Yeah. Uh, Because I think about, I I try to put myself in the shoes. It's like, okay, you're younger, you're very impressionable Mm -hmm. and, you know, social media currency will say matters a lot 
more. Yeah. Um, I also just don't know either. I'm like, are kids like in high school this mean to each other publicly on social media? Great question. I don't know. That's the thing where I felt like I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm, I can understand. There's a part where she's like, my my posts don't get as many likes and I don't have as many followers. And, and I it, the way it's presented is a little heavy handed, but I understand yeah. that. Like, I can understand having that anxiety, feeling like you're inadequate. Um, but. Yeah, some of it, I was like, I just I just don't know if I can't relate in this way, because I think, you know, the three of us, we've talked about this on on Constellation and on different shows many times. That it's like you can read a hundred positive comments and then there's one bad one that is maybe a little too true and yeah. it's painful. And then that is like what? Like, ah, uh, that that hurt piece. Mm. And then you're focused on that one thing. So it's like, yeah, I I get it. Um, but I don't know if I could relate in the context of this game. No, I mean, yeah, it's like for a different era or generation of kids and stuff like that going through. I can just try to try to relate to it, but it won't be the same, I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. I would be curious to hear someone younger's opinion on all this, what they thought about that. Uh, Maddie, any interest in this? Uh, not really. Like when I saw it during the uh, state of play, it kind of looked to me like the poor man's PT. Like, oh, yeah. man, what if what if we took the ball around yes. with it? Huh? It's like, no, nah, I'm OK. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not a big Kojima stand, but like, nah, like he, that was a game for him. And like, you guys are doing something with it that I'm just not interested in it. I, I just. Maybe I shouldn't assume so much, but like hearing what you guys say is a little reaffirming that. You know, I, I look at how they're handling Silent Hill as an IP, you know, that whatever online video thing that they were doing. And, and then mm-hmm. you look at this and I'm like, OK, they're trying to reactivate in the worst way possible. Like just remake two and just let it and do it right and let it speak for itself, because that's what, you know, two is already kind of niche, like cult classic. And it, yeah. it gained popularity over time. Thanks to like so many people just talking about like, man, this is such a thought provoking game. And it's like, yeah, just do that. And, and like you'll you'll bring people in like right now there was a time people were saying survival horror was going to die. And uh, that was in like the seventh gen. Like they were saying like, Oh yeah. YouTubers with horror games and their let's plays are making people not want to buy these games. Uh, It was ridiculous. And now like you look at the success they're bringing from dead space remake to RE4 remake. And um, I would just, I look at, I know you're asking about short message, but I look at Silent Hill two remake and I just feel like they're not investing enough in it. Like they are just trying to spread the wealth and make the IP feel like more big and exciting. It is. It's like, no, like this is kind of a small thing that can be a big thing. If you invest the proper resources into it, it's, you know, metal gear is like your big thing that like you could do multiple things with. Um, and they did try that and it didn't work out, but um, yeah, with silent Hill short message, I was just like, yeah, even if this is like an hour or two, like I'm good. Like I don't need to, mm-hmm. as Dustin said, time is a precious resource. <laughs> we cannot get that back. So that's true. I am happy to have saved Dustin with a with a faithful message telling him Duke is over. But for me, uh, I'm going to keep playing like Tekken and Persona and all that yeah. fun stuff. All right. OK, time to end the show. With some questions, as always, from the audience. This is from Grant. Hey, summoners with Persona 3 Reload being featured and the music in the Persona series being so good. I'm curious if you could each share your personal favorite video game soundtrack. For me, it's Final Fantasy X, but Persona 5 might overtake it one day. Keep up the awesome work. Favorite game soundtracks here? Mm. So many. 
It's hard to pick one. Yeah, I think Maddie and, our, and I are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Put a gun to my head. I'm going to say Persona 4 Golden is my yeah. favorite video game soundtrack. <laughs> okay. okay. Close second, Near Automata. Okay. Uh, also I, think count, I think there are just overall, in terms of quantity, more bangers with the Persona. And they're totally different, so they're hard to even compare. But mm-hmm. Persona 4 Golden, that was one when uh, I Am 8-Bit did the like box set of four records. It's like $100. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, need that immediately <laughs> so i'll go with that but maddie as you're also a you're you are you and cog are the <laughs> video game soundtrack connoisseurs of last sand media so <laughs> i uh yeah like persona definitely i think is there i i'm thinking on a personal level like what do i listen to that's like super distinct and and moving and you know man i gotta be honest like i think knights of the old republic like i really uh, jeremy soul uh, he, he also did the soundtracks for like the Elder Scrolls games and even some of the older Harry Potter games. And like he um, just has like this very distinct soundscape that I that I think no one's ever replicated since. Um, and I think KOTOR captures this very Star Wars feel, which is like my favorite series uh, next to Fallout at the same time, which is another example. Like Fallout 3's ambient soundtrack is so good to me because of the atmosphere. But also like, I love how it plays in a narrative like for anyone who's played KOTOR Manon is like probably my favorite track in gaming because Manon is like this very peaceful, happy kind of track. But with everything going on in the planet, like this very it sits in this very gray area. It feels like the song's kind of lying to you, which I really like. Uh, But just yeah, that's like a soundtrack that I think just accompanies like every moment of the game perfectly. If we're talking like general out of game bops like, you know, I listen to this when I'm out when I'm in the car, when I'm at the gym, in game, like I'm tapping my foot. Yeah, Persona 4 Golden, 100%. That was good. Um, my favorites, I always put Final Fantasy VII, the original, as one of my all-time favorites. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chrono Trigger is one of my favorites also. Um, Zelda's tough because I like all the Zeldas a lot. It's like Ocarina of Time or Wind Waker, I think, are probably my favorite out of those, mm. out of that collection. I'm looking back at my gaming CDs. Uh, Dragon Quest VIII is one of my favorites also. I think that soundtrack is fucking incredible. Persona V, obviously. And um, yeah, I think those are like my top, top ones when I think about it. This uh, this conversation reminded me that I pre-ordered the Persona 4 Golden vinyl because the box set is for the original. And they, no. <laughs> they, you can currently pre-order the golden version of the soundtrack on IMA bit, not affiliated, but if you're interested, they have a lot of really awesome stuff. If you're into vinyl, do, are either yeah. one of you into vinyl at yeah, all? Yes, I am. Yes, dude. A lot of interesting video game vinyl out there. It's been blowing up a lot the Ooh, past few they years. Got the FMC Persona Three Portable one as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lots of good mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, man, there there been some there's been a huge boom in like video game vinyls. Like I the fact that I have one for Battle Network one through two, mm-hmm. like that's insane. Like that's a super obscure Mega Man series. I guess not as, as obscure as I thought. Apparently the the Legacy Collection sold a million copies. But like I, like the fact that that got a vinyl is crazy to me. Um, yeah. I have one for Silent Hill, too. Funny enough, which we were just talking about. There's cool. a vinyl box set 
of Super Mario Galaxy that oh. it's not official, so it's it's bootleg. Yeah. But uh, if you've ever looked into these bootleg video game vinyl, they are insanely high quality, better than mm. some official releases. And I I've seen this Mario Od- or Mario Mario Galaxy one, and I'm like, man, uh, it's not in print anymore, so that's it's worth a lot of money. I'm like, man, that would be amazing i'd love to get yeah. that someday oh and uh of course kingdom hearts games those oh. soundtracks are fucking bangers dude yeah yoko yeah, shimamura don't miss ever all right uh let's see this is from Braulito. oh no wait. bro Braulio. weird uh valdez can't read that hey guys do you guys have any specific gaming rituals for example i have no lights and burn my retinas when I play through Resident Evil, and I always brew up an iced coffee every gaming sesh. I can hang out without caffeine, or I can't hang without caffeine like I used to when I was a young lad. Cheers and loving the new show. Gaming rituals. Mm. I got one right off the bat. When a big game's coming out that I love, like, I'm going to do this for Rebirth when it's coming out. I did this for Tears of the Kingdom. Full cleaning everywhere. My whole space cleaning everything pristine. I don't want to see everything. It's got to be perfect when I settle in. I don't want to see like any that. flaws. Just nice and clean. And I will have some caffeine ready to go. I don't eat when I play games because I don't want anything on my controllers. Mm-hmm. Oh, just get I'm the opposite, some, bro. Just get I'm some fucking juice, up. some drink. Brad, this reminds me of uh, something that uh, your friend uh, Michael Huber Yes. Talked about cracking open a fresh controller yes. for big games. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like, that's pretty hardcore. I can that respect like, that. Yeah, I that's hardcore that. shit. That is hardcore. I crack open a fresh seltzer. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, like I, I like getting a nice sparkling water on when like it's time to game like that. Because I don't drink soda anymore because I drank just way too much growing up and I'm sure it would have caught up to me if I kept it up. But like I like the sound of a like oh yeah yeah it's gamer time like that i don't know Definitely. man that gets me a little hype and i i feel like i'm really dialing in now i don't do it every session but like to me that marks the start of a really good session or start mm-hmm. of like a nice longer term game session like i'm i'm really settling in if i'm cracking open the can so that's probably like one of my favorites i wash my hands before i play that's good that's i like weird, that that's a weird one but yeah like i just i don't know why i need to feel like my hands have maybe it's because i'm like laying my hands on a controller like when I used to come home from high school, that's where I developed the habit. There were times I'd pick up the controller right away and I felt like my aim in Call of Duty was terrible because my hands were still dirty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I go and wash my hands and I was like a different player. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know. So I think it was maybe placebo effect. But yeah, now since then, just all well, it's time of the game. I'm going to go wash my hands, get a seltzer, go downstairs. And that's it for the night. I'm settled in. Yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, the seltzer, dude. I, uh, I was really big into LaCroix for a while and then I picked up drinking diet coke instead for a while not a ton i wasn't drinking like four a day but that was my go-to game drink but now with the diet stuff i'm back on Lacroix, so nice. can relate to that but for me the like prime gaming is you know maybe mid afternoon when a lot of our last stand stuff has settled down for the day mm-hmm. brew a fresh coffee yeah sit down you know, turn the lights off. That's nice. That's really nice. The The caffeine, definitely a, a boost to yeah. to playing. But 
trying to think about other rituals. Um, the clean hand things, man, I definitely can relate to that because I feel like I just have sweaty hands in general. Yeah. So I know that feel when you pick up a controller and you're like, my hands didn't feel gross, but I realize now they yeah. are. I'm you not going to play as efficiently if I'm like got gamer gunk on my hands, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Oh, my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is for some games like horror games. I tried to play only at night. Also, like with Resident yeah. Evil 4, I tried to play most like sometimes I broke and just like I need to play this game, but I like <laughs> playing in the dark with lights off if possible. Horror games. Do you ever light a candle? Yeah. Yeah, that'll Dude. add to it. Oh, big baller move. Okay. Yeah. The can- yeah. Yeah. The candlelight gaming, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a mood. Only certain games. Only certain games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question is from Kunai Party. Hey, Brad and Co. Welcome to the LSM fam. I look forward to all y- to your show all week. But as a new member of the family, are you on team Hashtag I spoon with Maddie or f- I knew this would be one. You or <laughs> hashtag I fork with cog when it comes to your mac and cheese. Thanks and have a persona three remake just came out, but infinite wealth owns my life kind of day. Yeah, this is definitely a Duke listener. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, 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 I skimmed through the thread and I was like, I hope he picks it. I'm not going to say anything. I hope he picks it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. I'm on team fork. I would say with the mac and cheese. I can okay. do a spoon. I can do it. I'm not going to fuss if I have to use a spoon. But if I had mac and cheese, I would just reach for a fork, probably. They both make sense to me, though. I don't think mm. it's I don't think you're a heathen if you do one or the other. Dustin okay. seems like he has not judgmental. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to have to be fork where I'm the Wait. type of guy. <laughs> I will use a fork. <laughs> instead of a spoon basically almost whenever possible i'm not going to eat cereal with a fork or something like that but like mashed potatoes great with a fork uh holly makes a japanese curry i use a fork for that you know uh i i try to use a spoon really as little as possible i don't know i feel like with mac and cheese i don't know you're just getting more metal in your mouth at that point Mm. my question because what I learned through this literally months long debate with Cog and through our audience, there's different forms of mac and cheese, right? So you have like your, we'll say the craft box, right? Like the small little noodle, little elbows and right. You know, right. Like kind of hard to stab if you ask me. Um, <laughs> then you got like the, the baked mac and cheese, which is just like concrete and you just stab with a fork and you may as well lift up the whole tray. Now, Gentlemen, I got to ask, like, what mac and sneeze are you consuming typically with the fork? Yeah. I would say if your mac and cheese is so runny that you need to use a spoon, you shouldn't eat it anyway, because it probably sucks. Oh, damn. That's true, though. That's true, Dustin. Now, hold on. Dustin, do you do you have craft or do you have like, do you make this holly or you make your own homemade mac and cheese like Describe to me what it looks like. This is, is it in a pan, a bowl. This is almost completely a mac and cheese free home, unfortunately, which I like oh. mac and cheese a lot. But Holly is lactose intolerant, so it is oh. not. I could make it for myself, I guess. Okay. But I haven't 
done that. So, oh, dude, I saw a video on YouTube a few weeks ago of a guy that only ate Velveeta mac and cheese. That was the only thing he ate like what? all day long. That's all he uh, ate. Velveeta <laughs> mac and cheese. It was me in elementary school. It inspired me, though, because I was like, I've never had this Velveeta mac and cheese before that it's just like you you like heat up the noodles and then it comes in like this kind of like metal bag and it just like squirts out onto it Ugh. i'm like it looks kind of gross but also kind of fire at the same time i kind of want to <laughs> and then i saw it at the grocery store and i was like okay well i'm on this i'm on i'm calorie counting i'm gonna check the calories on this bad boy I don't know how that guy's fucking alive yeah. <laughs> from yeah. eating nothing but Velveeta mac and cheese. Holy shit. But yeah. Jesus, that's a long winded answer. To say if I was going to make mac and cheese for myself, which would be special because it would be just for me. Mm-hmm. I'm, make, I'm not making craft dog. Okay. No way. Okay. No way. Okay. The powdery craft stuff. Give me the radioactive, strange Velveeta cheese, the thick, weird stuff over a powder mix. Mm. Okay. I like the breaded mac and cheese. I like Ooh. that little crunch. Oh, no, you don't like the crunch. No. Oh no, Hell dude! No, are, no, you no. A, I, are you? Is Matty <laughs> a soupy mac and cheese eater? <laughs> no, dude. I just watered down. I don't like. I, I've told Cog he's got to take me to a cookout because I don't know what the hell everyone's smoking with. Like the idea of crunch in my very soft pasta focused dish is heinous to me. I've had baked mm. mac and cheese before. I'm like. I don't like the snappiness in a pasta dish. That doesn't mm. sound. I may as well just sprinkle like crumbled tortilla chips into my mac and cheese, right? If I want a little, little snappiness. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, tortilla chips in there. I'd okay. eat that. That's not bad. I didn't call it the Maddie special, dude. <laughs> yeah. I while just think... on... go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say while we're on this train. Sorry, I don't. I'm not trying to take over, but I did say at the beginning of the episode this is. The ham radio reunion. I think we need to put some on you, Brad. Yes. From the old ham radio days. A de- yes. Maddie, yeah. Maddie and I's personal spoon or fork. Uh, we long standing debate. Ice in drinks. Yes or no? Yeah. Depends on the drink, though. Like, what are we talking here? What was the context, Maddie? Like, what is it like? Because oh, we had I a think- whole discussion. If it's a cold drink, you don't need ice in it. If it's already Man. cold, you're just going to water that bitch down. Period. Yeah, I, I think the idea was like, because then we got into just like with spoons and forks, we got into the ice tactics like, oh, you put the ice in first and then pour your drink on top of it. But I was like, sometimes the ice dilute. Like, I think it was with soda. We were saying like, you don't do ice with soda, even though it sounds great, because if you don't get it right away, then you're going to water down your drink. And I think Carrick, right. who always had a bottle of like coke next to him uh, every he had like a two liter like mountain lightning or it was like he just like, drank like... from it constantly <laughs> with no ice and we were just like what the hell's going on bro <laughs> i forgot insane. about that yeah, so brad do you like let's say you're pouring a can of pop out into a cup sure. treating yourself ice going in first mm, yeah oh that's a good question i think i do both ice will go in but not necessarily at the start I kind of mm. like the splash of it going in sometimes. Mm. <laughs> it is more efficient putting the ice in, though, because you and you get that satisfying crack of it just hitting the ice, which is very nice. Yeah, I I was an ice second kind of guy until very recently. I noticed with my uh, I've gotten into just uh, uh, Dustin, you've gone to, to Japan. So I'm curious if you've heard of Picari Sweat. Picari Sweat. It's like their so. Gatorade pretty much. 
And oh, yes, I do remember that because I remember seeing I'm like, what the fuck? They labeled a drink as sweat. <laughs> I, you, holy shit. Yeah. And I looked it up. Yeah, I definitely remember. I didn't drink it, but I remember seeing. Oh, OK, this. so they sold like little powder things on Amazon. And I was like, you know what? I want to try this out because I had a friend who swore by it. He was like, yeah, we all went to Japan. We got really sick while we were there. We all had Picari sweat. We were good the next day. And like I have uh, one of my artists lives in Japan. He sworn by it. I'm like, OK, let's let's see what this magical drink is. Right. So I order some of the powder. You can also just get bottles. But I was like, let me just try the powder first. And um, I filled up like an old uh, sparkling water bottle with with it and poured the powder in, shake it up. And when I poured it, I put ice in the first time. And I'm like, I don't taste anything at all here. Like, mm. this is just uh, water to me. Then without the ice, because it was diluting the flavor, like we talked about with the soda, Dustin. Then I had it without. It was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I recommend sure. it to people who are like looking for. I don't actually know the health differentiation between Bacari Sweat and Gatorade. Apparently, this is better for you than Gatorade. I don't know. But um, yeah, like it's it's pretty good. Um, but nonetheless, that was that was where I had my switch of like I used to be ice second. Now I'm ice first because I saw like how quickly it can can really ruin your drink especially if you're like yeah. me spark sparkling water kind of guy like you can just lose the fizz real fast man that sucks i, I got accused of oh. psychotic behavior because <laughs> i was saying okay in a situation where i got a warm can okay and i want to mm. drink now instead of putting a bunch of ice in that would totally dilute it completely pour it in one ice cube Wait, one ice cube. Do you remember this whole one ice cube thing that yes. it was like yes. just the one cube yes. kind of cool it down? But it's not like I'm putting a bunch of ice in. Why not? You know, Dustin, I got to say, if we were still doing ham, I probably would have come to your side of the fence on that, because I think that's a good in a good tweener strategy. Like, hey, yeah. I want to chill to this, but I don't want to destroy the drink. It's just that you have to socially like you can't do that in a social setting, probably. Right. If you're walking around with a single cube in your drink. And we're not talking like, you know, like scotch and whiskey, like a big ice ball kind of just yeah, yeah, yeah. sitting at the heart of your drink. Um, you know, we're, yeah. we're talking about like a can of soda, right? Like, yeah, you're a serial killer if I see. You yeah, that. it's a dangerous play. Like that could you could send the wrong message to the wrong person and that'll be it. <sighs> yeah. No why more Brad, review codes for you now. Too. I was going to say, why not just do two ice cubes? Two? Well, now you're pushing it. Now there's a little more water in your drink. Yeah. Yeah. But you. like if it's a whole soda, that's a lot of liquid still already. See, when I do ice, I don't fucking go ape shit with it. The only time I do that is with like iced tea because I want it watered down a little bit. Sure. Yeah, that's, that's a different right. context, you put, though. You put two cubes in, though. Two cubes, you're good. And it's like, how long are you going to be drinking the soda? Does it take you fucking three hours to drink it? I ba- mm. I babysit all my drinks, I've realized. Okay, that's well, that of, like, makes this sense. Of water. Yeah, I babysit everything. I like to make it last. Very conservative with my drinking. Am I so, so, like, Brad, let's say you started Seven Rebirth. You have your caffeinated beverage in front of you. Like, are you... Like you fucking slamming that bitch down in like 30 minutes or is it like you is that lasting you a good couple of hours? 40 minutes. 40. Okay. I, bet, I no, want that shit. I want that caffeine yeah. fix. <laughs> that makes sense. I got to be perked up. Yeah, I don't drink perked caffeinated perked beverages, up, so I guess that's why I just like babysit it. <laughs> just hydration. Yeah. Got to be hydrated. Jesus fucking ice, man. I didn't know ice was such a controversial thing. You'd be surprised. Those I'm ham surprised. radio days. I mean, I get it. Me and my friends in high school argued who would win in a fight between Darth Vader and Gandalf for legitimately years. 
that wow. went on. Oh, that is a that's a good question. That is a really good question. Think about it. Yeah, like mm, I'll think about actual it, yeah. book notes were brought at several times <laughs> for the argument by multiple mm. parties. So I don't know. It's fucking weird. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Sub Inside. Thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. We greatly appreciate it. Make sure to check out the Dukes and Sacred this week. It's going to be a wild week for news this time. So buckle up, everybody. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Take care. Summon Sign is a product of Last Stand Media and Colin's Last Stand LLC and is proudly recorded in the USA. The show is written and hosted by me, Brad Ellis. The show is produced by Dustin Furman. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. Summon Sign, along with the rest of Last Stand's media shows, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer level on Patreon, our highest tier, and we are grateful for your kind contribution and generosity to our independent endeavor. Thank you. William Holbert, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, SLVFMA, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Malachi Wall, Dave Cowell, Donald John Vader, Stephen Innerfield, Iroquois Pliskin, Logan Little George, Vincent Valenzuela, Landon Pipkin, Kyle Johnson, Daniel Beresford, Brian Williamson, Jorge Padua, Vance Cody, Rallo, Mr. Ayub, Casey Raymond, Denny Sniper Teeth, Extian, Magic Marker 215, Ross R. Lowe, Kevin Hawley, Austin Lipka, Paul Warren, Harold Ustash, Will Williams, Nicholas Renaud, Shane Breck, Sean Llewellyn, Michael Mashed Potato, Sweaty Magic, Nate Izod, Harkeet Johnny, Ellis, Albion, Josh Sullinger, Jacob Donovan, Dark Archer SC, My Name is Mayo, Jason R. Zahn, Sean Hatfield, Christopher Knock, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Sorta Serious Gaming, Mark Arnold, Whiskey Sin, Zia Parrix, Sean Miles, Relentless Rex, Alan Tiniak, Dustin Klingman, Christian R., Jad Rita, Jacob Hancock, Luke Aldersley, Dustin Graff, Zach Cohen, Peyton Stone, Fozzie Bear, Michael Buffel, Dan Root, Asak Parades, Talisman, Christopher Morgan, Randall Holsey, Dio or Die, T Bone. 007, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Zuza, Betty Ann Moriarty, Travis, Ross Chandler, H-Trons, Antonio C, Alan Einer, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Theo, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale, Of Fortuna, John Zyle, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Mr. Moth, Poot, Gavin Newland, Alex Lapierre, Carl Wallace, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Kendrick Caius, Jimmy Rodriguez, Rockin' Ace, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Adam Hall, Mason Bichard, Ollie Fritz, Anthony Marola, John W. Torres, Saqib Alam, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Darylene Naiman, Toby Ryland, Stewie 108, Andy Miller, Patrick Montgomery, Richter 86, Derek Wechter, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Joel Holcomb, Aaron Betk, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coates, Logan Sharp, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chand, Organic Produce, Carlos Algaret, Mike Menzel, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Joosh, Martin Beck, Gavin, Jerome Ferreira, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lewin Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, John Schultz, Tom Quinn, Anton Kay, Alan Tremblay, Ryan T. Mandel, Pork and Beans, Jean-Francois Forzi, Tony Zuniga, Robbie Hensley, Shane Miller, Alex Cabrera, Corey Dustin, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Bo, Jorge Pal, Cannonball Jones, Tomas Sablin, Phil Crone, Throw Seven, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Scott Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gondoliger, Alex Monez, Gerald Pennington, Justin Payne, Justin Wagaman, Austin Riley, Paul Joyce, Alan Hopkins, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Don Lee, John Cordero, Ashley Carlson, Kyle Martin, Madmock Media, Bull Burkholtz, and Jonathan Rice. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.